0: Some bo-hooligan, some jam gilligan, Them dead and them gone Where them gone, where them gone Them vatican-gan, where them gone The pentagon-gan, where them gone I am a rasta man, alone I stand, alone I stand But it's like one more hooligan Stepping in, we sense him in ya It's like one more bobby rang Cutting down we go to kaya Man, never sleep, and the good can rest. They brainwash, man, they wear a bulletproof vest. Like them, never i have got nothing on them chest. And every way I turn, I wonder what happens next. All over human rights, and them get me perplexed. All we want cool and relax and flex. And all Babylon invade me, it's like.
1: Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I am Dave. And before we get into the show, I just want to say that this week's episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California in Silver Lake and Malibu, Aloe is an amazing rehab that helps people get better. Uh, Their motto is connection, not control. And they guarantee their clients will have the highest quality, most unique, and powerful healing experience that they could find anywhere. Excellent matters. They provide high quality care, but that's not what makes them special. It's authenticity and genuineness that gives them the ability to reach the unreachable and you can't fake that. That's what they wrote me. But when I talked to uh, Bob Forrest and uh, Evan Haynes about their program, they said something that was really sincere and really cool. And they said that they didn't like how other treatment centers had treated them when they were in treatment and they wanted to create a place that treated addicts with respect. I have a friend who's there and he, Uh, He confirms that they treat him with respect So if you're fucked and you need help I would go to Allo And if that didn't convince you Just know that their amenities are off the hook Surfing, horseback riding, sweat lodge Sound bath meditation It goes on and on and on And most importantly, if you're super, super strung out They promise you as comfortable a detox As they could possibly promise anybody So that's Aloe Recovery Check it out in sunny Southern California This podcast, Dopey, is also brought to you By our friends And bear with me on the ads It's very exciting that we finally have ads So just fucking sit tight this ad is brought to you by Just Coffee Co-op. Um, their tagline is justice from the grounds up. They make delicious coffee, and uh, and their thing is that they do fair trade coffee where they do not rip off growers, and uh, they support human dignity and environmental sustainability but what's really important is that their coffee is good I enjoy the dark roast and it's called the revolution roast Uh, Linda loves the humdinger light roast and everybody loves the Ariba medium roast so uh, if you want to support Dopey go to Just Coffee and enter in the coupon code DopeyPod at checkout and that would be supporting Dopey, it would be supporting some fair trade coffee and it would be doing uh the right thing, as far as I can tell. And you should write them that they they were gonna put out a dopey brand coffee. I know you guys want dopey brand coffee. So that's uh that is just coffee. Just and the coupon code is DopeyPod. So go there and buy some coffee. Anyway, this is a very, very, very um, it's going to be a very long episode It's going to be a very emotional episode uh, It's Todd's birthday this week And if you guys don't know Todd was one of my best friends um, I've known him since I was uh, probably 18 or 19 years old I met him at Ithaca College um, In 1992 And uh, and we used drugs Basically until I got clean And he kept using until he died And this episode is going to be A long fucking episode and we're going to hear from a bunch of people we're going to hear from his sister um who obviously knew him his whole life and she is not an addict we're going to hear from his buddy rob who he was very close with who was also not an addict but saw you know the depths of his addiction And, and his sister Allie also saw that and she saw the way um Todd's addiction affected their family and how his death affected their family and um and then Rob talks about uh being his friend and losing him and then finally we hear from uh one of my best friends one of my old friends this guy named Dave who I used to hang out with uh Todd and get high and we share a bunch of memories so we start off from the family side of dopey and we end up in the serious dopey side of dopey it's going to be a very long one so sit back uh, relax and the only thing I really regret is that um, is obviously that Todd can't be in this episode so if you want to hear Todd himself Uh, Todd is available to be heard on Dopey's episodes 27, uh, which is probably my favorite episode of Dopey ever, where Todd calls in and he doesn't know he's on the show. Uh, 54, 84, 106, 115, and his final appearance, uh, in 126. And we have this, uh, information thanks to Just Coffee. Uh, No, we have this information thanks to, uh, Cormac, on Reddit. So if you're going to go on Reddit, uh, follow Dopey. Thank you, Cormac, for hooking that up. Again, if you want to hear Todd, which I totally recommend because he was a gem, episode 27, 54, 84, 106, 115, and 126 are Dopey episodes featuring Todd. So uh, let's just get, get this thing underway. And our Todd Shot episode is going to start with uh, his sister Allie. And I recorded this the other day. Uh, using some new technology, so check it out. Here is Allie. So welcome to the show, Allie. Hi, Dave. How would you think about the intro for, for this? Perfect. I think that was, that was, a, good, that was a good intro. So, and and yeah. you need to know this, and, and the Dopey Nation should know this, that for the first time ever, we are utilizing really advanced technology in making uh, the show, which is an app called Paper Call. Uh, do you know about Taper Call?
2: I do not.
1: Well, Taper Call is not sponsoring the show. I have to pay them $30 for the year. But people have been complaining that the, the, the phone calls don't sound that good. So we're trying Taper Call instead yeah. of the phone calls.
2: You know what I'm saying? You your, yeah, and then get your money back if it's not good.
1: Oh, if it's not good, we're really fucked because with Rob... You know, later in the show, you guys are going to hear uh, a conversation I had with a very close friend of Todd's named Rob. Um, but with Rob, I kind of hedged my bets and I did him on speaker and I recorded it on the the normal dopey recording system as well. So this is a huge okay. risk because I'm reporter. I'm recording you with the little earbuds okay. because I think the sound is going to be better. If you're interested uh, in this kind of technical stuff, I don't know. Are you totally? Um, you are.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: And out of 10, out of 1 to 10, how much of a dopey fan would you say you are?
2: Okay, so, I mean, like, I'm a new dopey fan. So, I mean, I'm definitely, like, up there. Like, a, you know, like an 8 to 10. I, I need to commit myself a little bit more. I, I, I'd
1: give you more of the 5, 6 range.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm comfortable with that. I'm totally
1: comfortable with that. And have you heard, mean, heard any, have you heard any of the Todd episodes?
2: I have. You know... It was, like, it was kind of, like, a secret podcast. Like, Todd never really told me the name of it because I think he didn't want me to listen to it. So What
1: did he say? What did he say?
2: He'd be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go and, like, help Dave out with this podcast. And I'd be like, okay, like, well, what's the name of it? Well, you know, we're working on it. But, I mean, you were already, like, years in, I think.
1: (laughs) He would say we're working on the name of it.
2: Yeah, like you were working on all of it, but no, well, the, it was already there.
1: The funny thing about Todd and Dopey is that when uh, when Chris and I started Dopey, it was just very, very obvious to me that for me the show was like basically about Todd um, because I had used drugs with Todd more than anybody, and, uh, and Todd had the exact same sense of humor that Chris and I did for the most part. With uh, with these tragic, terrible drug stories. Although, me and Todd had gotten into a bunch of situations that I thought were just the funniest thing ever, and he wouldn't want to talk about it ever again. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, I,
2: I think there was, like, a time when I actually didn't even, like, let the two of you, like, around each other. Like, when you came cross-country and you showed up at my parents' house, I think I, like, immediately got rid of you.
1: Well, that was, that was insanity. I, I came home. To, why don't you tell the story? Remember I mean, that story?
2: I, I don't remember like all of it, but I remember you guys were driving cross country. I think you got in trouble like the entire way. Like I, I, like every other day, I think Todd was calling me and asking me for money or for something.
1: Yeah. So, we I think we got, I think we got busted four times on that
2: trip. Yeah. And then, and I, my parents were away because my parents were always away whenever Todd got into trouble. Like every time my parents went away, I was like always waiting for that phone call from, you know, Todd. And then I, I remember you guys like just got back, and I was like, all right, time for Dave to go. <laughs>
3: well,
1: no, because I, because Todd, I had told Todd that I couldn't come. And let, I mean, I don't even know how it got arranged, but I had told Todd I needed money from him in order to get a train from upstate back to the city right and when, yeah. and when i got and when i got to your house he was like i don't have any money and i was like well how am i going to get I, and i went crazy cuz i didn't yeah. know how i was going to get home and he didn't care you know so like i went i went insane and yeah. uh and uh and i remember i think we left a message on your phone where we were just screaming at each other And, uh, and the same thing happened with my parents, but you wound up showing up and giving me, I think it was like $45 to get a buzzer train home. Yeah. To get the train home. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, um, so yeah. So, I mean, like, I think the show, the origin of the show had a ton to do with Todd. And I know that when we were making the show, I only wanted, uh, Todd to come on the show. And when he did like, um, I got great satisfaction out of it because I loved your brother and and I loved the stupid shit that we did together and yeah. um, and just laughing about stuff. But um, you obviously knew your brother a lot longer than I did. Um, mm-hmm. When do you think you first started seeing uh, that nature in him, the addicty nature?
2: I mean, I definitely think that. Um, I mean, I don't really know exactly when it really all started, but I would say by the time he was in high school, I mean, I think he was definitely like smoking pot or um, hash or I don't know whatever people did, you know, back in the 90s, but I think, I think he was he smoked more like... Pot and,
1: I think he smoked pot and hash.
2: Yeah, and then I, I think... And college,
1: resin. Todd was a right. big resin smoker. Anyway, Continue.
2: I mean, he was always like a cigarette smoker. And then I think in college, I think college was when he first got into trouble for drugs. I think it was um, like his roommate turned him in for having like... um,
1: 199 hits of acid.
2: Yeah, acid in his freezer. Um, So, you know, that was when I think I really started to see... You know, so I was, I mean, I was four years younger than Todd, so I was probably like 14, 14 to 16 when, you know, things really, when, you know, it was, but I don't think anyone ever really thought he had a problem until, I don't know, I mean, I think there were like some good times and some bad and then worse, you know, but I would definitely say like probably when I was like 14 or 15, he... You know, started doing stuff, and I've never touched anything.
1: And when did it, when did you start to see like him not be able to handle it? I guess that's when, as soon as you saw that he was using, you kind of could see that he was not handling it because he wouldn't, you wouldn't have known that he was using if he was handling it, probably. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think he held it, you know, I don't remember like his, his years of living in LA where he actually like had a job and it was like a good job. For a while. I mean, I think he had a job. Um, I I mean, I think he was, like, okay then. And then after, you know, like, a relationship broke up, I think that's when I really noticed that he really started to go bad. Was that one of those relationships? Yeah, like, one of his relationships in California. Right. Right? I mean, I feel like that's when it kind of started to really...
1: God. No, I mean, I mean, I think he had he had developed a, a heroin habit in Manhattan uh, before he ever went to California, and then he left Manhattan yeah. and a coke habit too. He was he yeah. loved coke in the beginning, and then he loved heroin, yeah. and then he moved yeah. to Los Angeles and he hooked up with that woman, Johanna. Right. Um, and then she, when she she broke up with him, it wrecked him. But he was already a total drug addict. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean they would they took a ton of drugs together and every. I mean Todd was Todd was a, a total drug addict. Um uh I mean before I think well, like, he ever took a really addictive substance, he was a, a total drug addict. Yeah. So that's just how he mm-hmm. was. Right. Um and yeah. uh and when do you think uh it, it when do you think it started to impact your family?
2: I mean, I definitely think it impacted my family from the first time he got into trouble in college. I mean, it was like he got kicked out of college. He got into trouble. You know, he needed a lawyer to get out of trouble. He maybe like 20, I want to say, like he was maybe there for, not even maybe, maybe a year. Um, And then, you know, and then it was like, well, what do we do with him? It was, it was always, um, it was always stressful. Like it was, you know, I feel like it was an always stressful situation, like, you know, what to do, how to help, you know.
1: How would he act uh, in those situations?
2: Like, he didn't care.
1: So, it wasn't it was... stressful for him?
2: No, and it wasn't it... stressful for him at all. No. like nice. he would always be like, it's all good, it's all good, you know, it's all fine. Right. You know, I love, he was just, he was always just so laid back about everything, which I think is what always, you know, drove my parents crazy because my mother is not laid back,
1: so. And did it drive you crazy, that whole thing, or you didn't know that the impact was what was going on?
2: No, I mean, I think I was, like, too young. I, I mean, I think, like, I mean, his, like, you know, whatever he... Was doing. was I kind of just thought, like, he's a boy, he's young, it's just, like, a phase, maybe, you know, I don't know. I mean, he was, like, in his 20s. Like, that's when, you know, people... Boys think, will be boys kind of thing. Boys, right? Yeah, like, boys are stupid, like, you know. Um, but I don't know. I would say, like, it, I would say it really kind of started to like, really affect me when I was maybe, like, mid-20s and he was, like, 30, because it was, like, he really wasn't there. Like, he was there, but he wasn't there, you know? Explain. Like, he had a brother, and he he was in our family, but he never showed up, like, to anything. Like, he never, you know... Came to, he would like avoid for holidays, and he would like avoid all of us because I think he was trying to hide what he was doing. Mostly,
1: right? Or he you wanted know? to stay high, and he didn't want to deal with it. Right.
2: Well, yeah. You
1: know. And you guys, I mean, and, and like, when did you really start to? So you you would say when you were in your, you know, early twenties, and he was in his early. Mm-hmm. How, how much older is Tom than you? Four years. So he, when he was in his early thirties, and you were in your mid twenties, is when is mm-hmm. when you really started to notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and like, what did you see exactly? And like, and how would he behave? He wouldn't show up, you know. Yeah,
2: like he wouldn't show up, and you know. But it was like it was much more than like I think you know it was much more than like just drug like drugs like addicts like Todd was like an addict in, like, every sense of the word. It was, like, if he had, you know, a cigarette, he had, like, two packs a day. Or if he had a coffee, he had, like, eight. Or, like, a Pepsi. You know what I mean? It was, like... He did everything in, like, just such quantities. Like, you know? And, I mean, he, he was always so skinny. He always had, like, you know, he was the skinny had a great metabolism, and, like, I mean, like, the things that he could eat, like, can just still be so skinny. Like, you know, it was just, but that was just him. Like, he would just, I don't know. Yeah.
1: And no, I know what he, you're talking about. He did whatever he wanted, and there was no, and for a long there time, no there were no effects. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly.
1: And Until um, there were things like the arrest, you know, so when, right. when did you really start to see, I mean, and I think the more consequences Todd had, it was the more, he was slipping into total oblivion because Todd, Mm -hmm. like he lived to get away with shit. You know what I mean? Like that was his favorite thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like, yeah. And as like, for me, like as a person who never did anything, like I never even smoked pot. Like I remember I would have to like call you and be like, okay, this is what he's like, like what's going on. You know, I mean, it was, Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like then once I was close to being almost like 30, then I was in my like serious, like freak out mode of Todd, like, um, you know, constantly trying to figure out like how to help him, what to do, um, you know, didn't want to ever like break his trust of, like, him telling me things, but when I started to think it was something, like, dangerous, then I would kind of have to, like, intervene, you know, and say, like, okay, I think it's time for you to go and, like, get help, or something like that, you know?
1: Well, do you remember the first time you, you
2: kind of felt like it was dangerous? Um, yes. It was after I picked him up from rehab. So, um, was, oh, God, I don't even know, like probably like eight or nine years ago, um, I picked him up from rehab, and my parents were away, and I picked him up with my son, who was probably like, I don't know, 10 months old at the time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, and you know, me and my husband and my son stayed with Todd at my parents' house because we didn't want him to be alone, when we came home from rehab, and I I think it was, like, Christmas Eve. Um, And then I think it was, like, that night or, like, the next... I think it was the next day after rehab. um, They kept on hearing these, like, loud, like, banging noises or something in, like, the bedroom, and the door was locked. And, like, they kept on trying to get in and... She wasn't answering the door, and, like, it literally sounded like someone was being thrown on, like, the floor, or, you know, like, I can't describe it. It sounded like some loud animal was, like, taking someone down, pretty much. Um,
4: no, wasn't it?
2: then it was Todd, but I don't know, like, I still to this day don't know what he was doing in the room. Like, I have no <laughs> idea. Right. Like, no idea. Like, I even, like, the next day I was like, and then the next day he, um, the next day he was throwing up everywhere. And he was like, oh, I got the stomach bug. And, um, right. and, you know, my husband was like, he relapsed. Like, we need to leave because our rule was always like, you can't do drugs around, like, my kids. Like, that was, you can't be high around them. Or be drugs around them. So, um, so like you know, we left him alone for like a few days, and you know, and then he wouldn't admit to like relapsing until probably like a week later, when he finally was like, "Okay, you know, I relapsed." You know, it's like he finally came clean. But that was when I really started to worry. I think I even called you, and I was like, "I think he relapsed," and you were like, "It's normal." You know, he just
1: got out of rehab, but I was really no, it's funny. It's funny because my, my relationship with Todd, you know, for a long time was him comparing himself to me, um, that I was the bad one. You know what yeah. I mean? And that he wasn't as bad as me. Mm-hmm. And um and he used that all the time. For years he used that. Yeah. You know, and um and then when that flipped I think that got him uh very perturbed. And uh he, st- he never really could make sense of it because Todd used them in such a weird way. He didn't use uh mm-hmm. drugs the way I used them. And he used them in this weird way where he would use a little bit at a time and not really get a habit, keep a habit at bay as long as he could, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, pretend that he didn't have a problem, and it was this weird sort of mm-hmm. denial thing he would do.
2: Yeah,
1: Um. Totally. And-, and how did your yeah. family... uh deal with him? Like, what was it like around him uh, you know, when he was in full-blown addiction? Like, like, how did your family contend with it?
2: I mean, it was always like there was some big elephant in the room and I was the only one not in denial. Like, my parents were in denial, he was in denial, and I was kind of like the only one sitting kind of in the middle. Like, why does no one see what's going on here?
1: Right, the but, sky is falling, why don't you see it? And they're just like, yeah. oh, past the waffles, whatever. But, but
2: You know, like Todd was charming and he was manipulative and um, he was very close with my mom and he was, you know, Todd was like her affectionate child. Like, you know, he, he, you know, she, she wanted to believe everything he always said. So and she did. And she did. Yeah.
1: And she didn't want to think that that could be happening to her son, you know?
2: Right. Yeah. And, like, the biggest Todd's problem was, like, he never, like, he never burdened his friends or, I feel like, us with how much he was, like, really struggling, you know? It was a very, like, secretive little thing that was going on. I mean... I could tell he would, he would, you know, be unhappy and, um, or, you know, sometimes he would say, like, I'm not doing well, you know, I'm not good. But I don't know. He always would kind of say, like, don't worry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm figuring it out, you know, whatever.
1: But, well, he was impossible for him to say uh, that he was miserable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, like he never could express his his unhappiness in general. You know, forget about like his drug problem. You know, he was embarrassed right. of his drug problem, but I think he was equally embarrassed of his misery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't he didn't want to burden anybody because he didn't think that was like the way somebody right. who was cool lived. Right. And, and Todd loved being cool. You know.
2: Totally. Todd- he like to keep a job. Like. You know, it was always someone's fault. While why he like would get fired, or
1: you know, I mean, you know, who I was trying to get on the show. I was trying to get uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife on the show. To oh, make I don't. I good. don't think. I don't think Todd ever told the story on Dopey. But like, there are so many Dog the Bounty Hunter stories with Todd. And, uh, and, and what a surreal thing, you know what I mean? Like that he was like, what, do you know anything about that job he had? I I don't remember anything about it except just some like real crazy shit about it.
2: I feel like he got drugs for them. I don't, I'm like, I don't really even know what he did for them.
1: He told me he would like wash their cars and roll them joints and stuff. Um, and he was like their house boy, basically.
2: Pretty much. Yeah.
1: And yeah. then, like, and then, uh, I remember he called into Dopey once, and, uh, and he was actually, it was long after the Dog, the Bounty Hunter job, but, uh, he was a waiter someplace, and he called into Dopey, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm working right now, but I can talk for five minutes, you know? I think he was on the phone for, like, 25 minutes
2: oh, with us
1: God. while he yeah. was waiting tables.
2: Probably. And,
1: um... And then he was like I can't believe this manager Fucking fired me He's He The Todd was just so Todd was like He was like a fucking movie He would be like The manager thought I was smoking cigarettes And I would be like Well Were you smoking? And Todd would be like Yeah but he didn't know that <laughs> You know It was just like right. You know Yeah you know. Like he
2: always thought He was fooling everyone Like No one knew You know
1: I What know. he was I doing know or like the other classic thing, he was a, an assistant editor for this television production company. And, um, I went to see him and, uh, and he's like, I can't believe they don't think I'm doing a good job. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, goes, well, I get everything done in the first hour. And then I like look at page six and TMZ and they're like, what the fuck? Why aren't you working? And he's like, I can't help it if I'm so efficient, I get everything done in the first hour you know
2: which, yes uh, i totally remember. i remember that job yes
1: you know i love that one i can't help oh, yeah. it if i'm so efficient that i get everything done in the first right hour. of course And todd different. is todd not efficient
2: no efficient. that is not a word i would ever use to describe todd never no no um yeah. any any um and,
1: and how did you guys like like uh what was what was his death like for you like what what the hell like, how did that happen when you're, you're like, you're not at home, right? But, you know, like, you couldn't have seen it coming, right? Or did you?
2: Um, no. Like, I totally didn't see it coming. My husband saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming.
1: Like I saw it coming from, from like, a serious distance, so I didn't really expect it to come. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what would what would Dan say?
2: I mean when Todd got home from sober living, you know, he was he was actually like really good and you know, we were he was coming over for dinner and like spending time with us and you know, my kids and um you know, it was actually like it was really nice. Like it's, it was never like that. Um, and I mean, he wasn't even drinking, which he you know, always said was not his problem. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was like he wasn't even—he wasn't smoking pot around us. He wasn't drinking around us. So, I mean, he totally like had me fooled. Um, Did he then, tell you he
1: wasn't drinking? Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, like, I remember, like, we were, you know, out to dinner one night. We, well, this is when he was at Sober Living. He was like, I'm not drinking because there's people in the house that are there for alcohol. So, you know, I would never do that to them. That's what he said to me.
1: Yeah. Um, like, not that he's trying to get sober. He really just... The thing, the weirdest thing is he really didn't understand sobriety. It's no, crazy. He, he did not no. get it. It's like... He's this fucking ridiculous alcoholic drug addict. I mean, I remember I would hang out with Todd uh, many, 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 many nights where, like, I would be clean, you know, and he wouldn't want to smoke weed around me. So he would come over with these Budweiser tall boys, like four of them (laughs) or something, and he'd come to the apartment and he'd be drinking all this beer and he'd be like, yeah, but I don't really like it. You know, but, like... But like
2: yeah, the like you reason... would always say it wasn't his problem, but like meanwhile, I, I remember the first when I picked him up from, you know, rehab eight or nine years ago, like the first thing we did was we went out to lunch and he ordered a beer and I was like, um, didn't you just like get out of rehab? And he's like, yeah, but alcohol's not my problem. And I'm like, okay. And I, I think that's like, an
1: amazing point to be honest with you, Allie. I mean, I think that's an amazing
2: It is, because it was like everything is your problem. It, like, leads to, you know, something else. But he just, he never saw that.
1: Well, it's denial. You know, denial is a big problem. And, um, and, And it's true. Like, and I think a lot of people uh have that situation going on where they're where they're heroin addicts or meth addicts mm-hmm. or coke addicts right. and they and they think they can drink or smoke weed. Right. But it's like the truth is that anybody can do whatever they want. It's it's right. it's like I mean I I listened to um I don't remember why, but I recently listened to um an old dopey episode and Chris said that basically he's like a stove constantly running gas. And the second he puts a mind or mood-altering substance into him, he's lighting the pilot light. So everything's mm-hmm. ready to combust. And that's right. the way addicts are mostly built. And I mean, like, I know a lot of people can get by, you know, just doing one thing or another thing mm-hmm. until they can't. And that's right. what happened to Todd. Totally. So, you know?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, he really, like, he was, for the first time in, you know, 20 years, like, he wasn't mumbling like right. he was saying, Um and then he started to avoid me, which um is always like worrisome to me because, you know, he always could fool my mom and dad a little bit more, but like me, you know, he, when he stopped coming around because like, I mean, the one that Todd kind of respected, I guess, was, like, not to be high, like, around my children or come with, like, you can't have drugs in in my house or whatever, so he just then wouldn't come over or he would make an excuse, like, not to hang out. I mean, I, I think I asked him, like, a million times to hang out in the last few weeks, and then he always had, like, an excuse. Right. I would say. So you no,
1: know. oh, it's crazy. It's crazy like I can get all caught up in talking about Todd like he's away. You know what I yeah. mean like still. Right. Um like all this stuff it's like a preamble to the fact that he's gone. Right. You know, and he's not coming back and um mm-hmm. you know like uh how are you doing with that?
2: I mean, it's it's pretty I would say it's pretty horrible because You know, um, I'm, like, mad at him because, I mean, not only did he go, but, you know, now he left me with my parents who, you know, I mean, my mother, for the last, I would say, 15 years, I I would look at her and she just seemed so sad. Like, she almost looked like she was about to cry, like, at any, you know, at any moment. Um, So, she would just be, like, it was almost, like, worry. Like, I would just look at her, and she just always looked, like, so worried. Like, she wasn't breathing, you know? And, And now, it's like, I don't see worry. I just see she's just, you know, she's not the person for you know the mother that i
1: had you know your mother is also you know she was one of the most loving caring uh just empathetic and you know she right she was excuse <clears> me <throat> um i'm going to have to edit that um she um your mother your mother was uh was such a a generous person and a kind person and a caring person um, and she always would, would believe the best in, in Todd and in anybody. Right. And she was like, I'm not saying my mother isn't a caring and nice person, but my mom was right. like very different than your mom. They were similar in that they were these Jewish yenta types, but my mom right. wouldn't believe something good. My mom would right. assume the worst. And your mom yeah. would believe every no, fucking so piece of bullshit. Yeah.
2: Um, Right, which drove me crazy, because I'd be like, Mom, seriously? Like, really? Like, you know... But, you know, yeah, she... I don't know. She just always... um, I don't know. She just... I mean, she worried, and but, you know, she's just not... She's not... Like, I think that's um, the thing that people who, like you know, do drugs. They don't realize, like, when they do that, like, what they leave behind or what they can leave behind,
1: you know? And so what are you saying that got left behind?
2: I mean, I don't have the same mother. Right. I have, like, a, a before Todd mother and, like, an after Todd mother, you know? Right. She's just... You know, totally, 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 totally
1: damaged from it. Totally. And and then the question is, how how much can she recover? You know, because I know, I know, like, um, you know, um, I'm putting together some ideas for Dopey. You know what I mean? Like this and that. And I'm going through music for the show, right? And Mm -hmm. I'll listen to a song, and uh, and I'll just think of Todd. Yeah. And uh, and break down. You know, and how just my friend. You know, we're talking about her son. Right. You know, so like how so how is she how is she acting how is the family now? I mean how is she acting?
2: She's like I mean she's she's coping, but you know, I mean she cries every day and Does she still? Yeah, and I think she you know wonders, like, you know, did he love me? Did he love us? Like, but, you know, how could he do this to us? Right. You You know, it's just such, like, she can't, like, understand it. You know, how if, it's kind of like when, I don't know, when someone, like, I would say, like, commits suicide, it's like, If they loved you, how could they do that to you? You know, it's like, I don't think she, I just don't think that they ever thought, I think they were always worried, but, like, I really don't think anyone ever thought that it would have happened to him, you know? I mean, his friends, his, you know, I just don't think anyone really thought it could actually happen. Well,
1: you know, me and him had a lot of conversations about it about death and uh and the way he used you know like it, it's like I don't know it's so weird like to talk to you about it because Todd as far as I could tell Todd used heroin as safely as anybody could use heroin right like, you know he would use very little he right. would sniff it he he like would not mm-hmm. use a lot um and uh and he never had money to use a lot you know and he and he was terrified of needles you know nice. like yeah. i don't know if uh you ever heard the story but like one time in california uh i was living in echo park and uh, and i was shooting heroin and todd came over and i think he was like i don't know i don't remember what the impetus was but he said he said all right dave just shoot me up just do it and uh and i said okay <laughs> you know and uh, and I tied I tied up his arm and uh, and I went to to shoot him up and literally the second the tip of the needle touched his arm, out. yeah, he passed out.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he just yeah, he was not. Yeah, he wasn't a fit. He wouldn't even. I tried to get him to my my acupuncturist one time, and he was like, "Oh no, uh uh-uh. uh." And I'm like, "Dude, it's like they're like little like little tiny needles. You don't even feel them." And he was like, "No way." And I'm like. Okay, like, yeah. Well, Todd passed out a lot. Todd was a fainter. Oh, yeah, he
1: was. Where where, where did you ever see him faint?
2: I mean, he fainted with everything. Like, I mean, anything. Like, if someone was getting, like, their, like, blood drawn, or if, like, someone was bleeding. He was always the kid who, like, passed out on the the ground. Right.
1: That's interesting. And, um, and, uh, and like how how are you doing? Like I mean you're you're angry at him because uh because how he you hurt your family and your parents. Well oh, yeah,
2: he like left me with he left me with like, you know,
1: sick I mean, parents, <laughs> damaged parents.
2: <laughs> yes. He like you know, it's like the ultimate. I'm like, Thanks, dude. Like, thanks a lot. Um no, he just like left me with this pile of shit, I would say. It's just you know, I mean it's hard. Like he... Todd took up a lot of, um, you know, my parents, like, I don't know, attention, you know. He he always took up a lot of attention, and, like, I was, I was like, okay with it because I had my own life. Like, I had a job, and I had kids, and, you and know, and a, a Jewish dreams. mother, you know. I had a Jewish mother who, it's fine if someone else takes, like attention away from me for you know a while, but now it's like just you know it's like everything is you know on me it's like twenty four seven you know and
1: I'm sure there's some cosmic joke built into all that with him, you know what <laughs> I mean sure. Like, I'm, no, I'm sure, sure like he he craved the attention, but he didn't want it, but right. like he he was like a flame to your parents' moth. You know, oh, even yeah. if he wasn't failing, he was just Todd was such a magnet. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. the dinner table, he was just so funny and uh, so like uh, yeah. Tell tell the story about um. I mean, I, I want I want I want to hear the cheap date story, and I want to hear the Sarah McLaughlin story.
2: Oh my god! So Todd is like I mean I don't know if you ever experienced it, but Todd is like the most he was the most expensive person to ever take out to dinner, like, no matter where you went, like, I mean, if me and Dan went out for, like, Thai food, it would be, like, you know, $25 for the two of us, but for, like, a pad Thai and whatever, I mean, they don't drink, like, you know, nothing, and, like, you know, we went out with Todd one night, and, you know, he ordered, like, some humongous, like... Sake, probably two of them, I would say, and then you know, orders like the seared tuna, and then like sushi and like whatever. I mean, literally, our dinner was like a hundred. It was like a hundred dollars. Like it was me and Dan was like twenty five, and he was like seventy five bucks. On. If you and if you ever said anything to him, because I'm cheap, you know what I mean. Like I would go out and then I wouldn't have any money,
1: and I like oh, yeah. drink. And he'd I'd be like,
3: what? Yeah,
1: he'd be like, what? He'd go, what? He'd what? Like, I, I can't have a nice meal? Go, what? Right. You know, And he was yeah. like, he would be so funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, like, we went, like,
2: it's, yeah, it's just, but it was, like, it was, like, always, it was actually, like, the joke. I mean, we can't, we don't joke about it anymore. Maybe, like, in a few years we'll be able to, but it was always, like, when, you know, my parents would come with us like, to the Cape for the summer so that, like, we could have a babysitter to go out or something. And every year we would always joke, like, oh, should we ask Todd, you know, to come with us? And my my mom would be like, what are you, crazy? Who ordered, like, a lobster roll at every meal? It would be, like, $500, you know, a day just to, like... Feed him. (laughs) Just to feed him. And, like... And, I mean, we went to St. Martin, like, years ago. And we went to, like barbecue joint where, like, everyone ordered, like, ribs or chicken or whatever, and, like, there's Todd ordering, like, the two-pound Caribbean lobster, which is, like, who knows, like, $50 or something for, um, probably even more for a lobster. And, like, it was just, like, a big joke. It would be, like, four of us could eat for, like, $50, and then there was, like, Todd, you know, who, you know, and he never had money to, like, ever, you know, pay for anything. So...
1: I think once in a while, like, when I first came back from Los Angeles, he was delivering weed, and he was making a fortune of money. Yeah. And he, like, I think one time he, like, took me and, and Jenny out to dinner, yeah. and, like, it was, like, you know, he ordered everything. And it was, like, the first yeah. time, it was, like, the only, and then I had seen Todd do that before, but use, like, your parents' credit cards and stuff. Yeah. But, like... It was the one time I actually saw him, like... And then I've also seen him do it, like, when he was... Like, once in a while, he would sell weed on his own and have a, just a fortune of money, you know, like, mm-hmm. once in a while. And he would model yeah. himself after these, like, upscale weed dealers who, like, could afford to buy whatever they wanted. And, and he really wanted to be like that, yeah. you know? Um Oh, so Lord. funny, like, yeah. like just to think about him, just all of the spots I would be in with him, um yeah, but uh, tell us Sarah Blossom story,
2: so you know Todd moved he moved home like to live with my parents this was i mean this must have been i don't I don't remember if this was like before sober living, do you remember if it was before or after it's kind and of.
1: I think both. Yeah. I think he lived there before and after.
2: All right. So he, like, moved home and he, you know, just went to do his typical thing of, like, getting the restaurant job. And he actually got this, you know, restaurant job at this nice place. Um, and, like, I won't say the name, but it was, you know, within, like, 25 minutes of us. And I remember him coming home from his first and he's like oh I totally got the job dude like the fucking manager like loved me but it's like the weirdest thing and I'm like okay and I'm like well what's weird and he's like I totally fucked her in high school and I'm like Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm like did she go to your high school he's like no and I'm like alright and I'm like so did you remember you and he's like no and I'm like, okay, well, how did you remember her? And he's like, because her name was Sarah McLaughlin. Like, you can't forget, <laughs> you can't forget that. And I'm like, well, would you have recognized her? He's like, no, but like, you know, then when I saw her name, and I'm like, okay, so like, you wouldn't have recognized her. Like, you look nothing like you did in high school. Like, he looked like Jesus in high school. I mean, he had like a fro, a beard. I mean. You know, he was like, do you, "Do you remember seeing pictures of him in high school? Like, he had a whole I lot of hair."
1: Think, well, I remember him in college. I and mean, yeah. when I met him, when I met him, he was like clean cut with with like a peppy kind of haircut. But a few years later, he had a full shaggy beard and yeah. long hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I mean,
2: that's how he was in high school. So, I mean, there was no way that this girl was like going to remember him. But he was. So mad about it. And then, um, I think like a, like maybe like a couple of weeks went by and, um, and all of a sudden he came over, he was like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I got fired. And I'm like, okay. And he said they like did a his background check, I guess, like two weeks after he had started. And they just said that like, it wasn't going to work out or something like that. And so... He was like, you know what that means, and I was like, what? He's like, she totally like remembered me. That's why she <laughs> hired me. Like it was just like he couldn't believe it was like for some other reason. He thought like it was because she finally remembered him, and he was because he amazing. was
1: late and because he was high on the yeah. job and because he fucked everything up right. and because he smoked yeah, and
2: shit. Yeah, but it was just, no. I mean, it was just so funny because he just like you know thought he was just so memorable. Like how did she not recognize my name or you know whatever? And then he was like, he'd be like, you know. What did she like? Sleep with a million people in high school that she can't remember. I mean, it was just it was so
1: just so, tired. so so tied. So like yeah, you know he, he loved. He would also get really worked up about stuff like that, everything.
2: and that was what made Everyone him so up
1: everything. Yeah, but that's why he was so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. He would make such a big deal about everything, and it was like, and he it would all crescendo into the funniest fucking shit oh, every yeah. time. Um, and, uh... Yeah, I mean,
2: every everything was, like, you know, had to be so dramatic with with us, everything.
1: Can you think of another, another, another funny example?
2: I don't know. Like, I can't think of one right now, but...
1: Oh, um, I mean, you give me one when you can never think of one. And, uh, and why don't you give some, uh, give some guidance? Because, like, there are people who listen to the show who have brothers and sisters who are getting high, who have... Partners yeah. who have kids, and you know like what do you what do you tell these people? you know I like
2: mean, i I would tell them that like I mean, no matter how much you know Todd messed up, you know, I never like gave up on him or you know I know a lot of people just got them out of their lives, but I don't know, I don't know how you can live with that if something to happen, but I think, you know, I guess I had, I wish I had maybe, like, dug a little deeper into Todd and, you know, said, like, how, I mean, I always tried to help him, but like, he never really took me up on it.
1: So, well, but the question wasn't like, "What could you have done differently?" Because there's a million right. things we all could have done differently. Yeah, of course. It's like it's like you. It's like, how uh, do you
2: deal? You're a
1: woman or? who saw who had a brother who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you how do you cope with with your brother being gone? You know, think, being dead, being dead from drugs. You know, I'll right? Be blunt.
2: Um, I don't know. I think you just have to take it like day by day, and I do go to um, a meeting once a month called GRASP, and it's for people who are grieving um, people, like, related to, um, you know, drug or alcohol deaths, and I just think, like, maybe getting involved and helping people that are, like, on this earth right now so that the same thing doesn't happen, I guess. Right. To someone else
1: so that's like kind of your new mission is, is to is to is to try to use your experience to help the next person
2: basically. yeah and definitely like probably be really careful about drugs because there's fentanyl in absolutely everything right you know a All right, Allie.
1: what are you going to do what are you going to do for his birthday are you are going to try to pretend it doesn't happen what are um, your folks going to do
2: I don't know. I, I haven't figured it out. I mean, my boys want to get balloons and send them up to heaven for him. That's so, nice. um, I don't know. Have to figure out. I mean, something to do. Probably eat like burgers or ice cream or something. Which is what, a two-pound you know, lobster. You yeah, a two-pound lobster what in order. To he would fight. like to do yeah. right. For exactly. drinks
1: at the Thai restaurant. Spend a hundred bucks yeah. at the Thai restaurant for time. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Do something to celebrate him. But yeah, I don't know, we'll do something.
1: Well, um, I appreciate you coming on and uh and talking a little bit about what happened and um yeah. you know, it's not about how he died, you know what I mean? Like we know how he died, it's about it's about missing him and exactly. uh and remembering him, you know what I mean? And and like how he impact how he made our lives better, and he did, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. But thank yes. you, Allie, and, um, yes. and I love you, and uh, if you ever need anything from me, you know I'm around. Thanks, Dave. Sure, Allie. Bye. All right. Bye. So that was Todd's sister, Allie, and I recorded all these things separately, so it was a little weird flow, but obviously we um, got a lot out of Allie, and her family has been through hell. Um, And here's someone else who was really affected by Todd's death I recorded it a few days ago So here he is So I've got on the phone uh, One of Todd's best friends A guy who I've known actually For a little while now And this is Rob Say what's up How's it
4: going?
1: And you listen to a little bit of Dopey here and there, right?
4: Yeah, I I do Um, I I listen to the Artie episode Uh Uh, I listen to the I listened to your special on uh, the American Life, right? And then right. I heard part of uh, part of another one, and then um, the only re- the only reason, honestly, I don't think I've ever spoken to you about this. Um, the reason why I never listened to it, um, and my friends do, um, who you know, Ryan and Vince, and who are you know, some very close friends they listen to it all the time Um, I guess I don't have that in me because I knew what it was going to be about Um, at least the things about Todd and you know I I didn't have that relationship with Todd of the drug side Besides, you know the weed and the fish tour and 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 that sort of stuff. But I didn't have the, the heroin side, um, so to me that wasn't anything that that I knew or, or really wanted to know. Um,
1: right? You didn't. You also didn't use with Todd like like uh hardcore addict. Wise, you know what I mean. You were around Todd when he smoked crazy bud, and like you never took pills with him. And did you ever trip with him?
4: Uh, maybe once back like at Sugar Bush for a fish show in like '95 or '94. <laughs> so, let's
1: let's back up though. You, why don't you talk about like uh, where did you meet Todd and 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 how did you know Todd?
4: Yeah, so todd was a year older than me we grew up in the same town i always knew of todd you know we kind of ran in similar circles um but one summer going into my senior year and i think he was going to ithaca because um, he was a year older we actually met at a party and like he was you know kind of crazy guy the life of the party and uh, he was this you know short dude who had this you know he was like, it's hairy chest. He's out in the backyard with like, you know, jumping in the pool and like, he had no care in the world, but he was like, he was what he was. He was what everybody know, knew him as, you know, he was the life of the party. He was a fun, fun guy. And we would always, you know, after that, we just became really really good friends like all of a sudden like after that night it was really strange like he was going off to college but that whole summer he and i and, and a few other guys hung out and you know we kind of like started a band and um you know it was it was kind of cool hanging out with cause I went to this catholic military school and it sucked but hanging out with these other guys who were you know in you know in this band and like they seemed like they were like kind of cool guys and I'm like I knew none of that because I was at this lame ass school you right, know and they were like so, super
1: free and easy sort of hippie exactly,
4: types exactly right. totally and I was you know I was that wasn't my sort of thing but uh, yeah and so then you know we've been you know I would say he's one of my best friends for the last you know 25 years
1: exactly exactly and um, and me too And uh, and I think that you and I Like a weird thing about us Is like we would be with Todd When the other one wasn't You know what I mean Like
4: That's totally yeah totally true Yeah it was his city life And then his suburban life You know and, and that's what it was Like when he wasn't up here I knew he was going to be down there Hanging out with you guys So yeah totally
1: What a mess though man And I know that like you know, you you saw his decline over the years. You know, and he was he was on the West Coast, obviously. So you didn't know when. And, and he also like loved to lie about what was going on. He also didn't think that you would be you specifically would be able to handle the serious hardcore. You know, drugs because he knew that wasn't your thing. Like, when did when did it start to become clear to you what was going on with him?
4: So when he was out in L.A., he came home and we went out to um, went out to see this band. And uh, I went over to his parents' house where he was staying. And I think he was, you know, going to be going back out to out to L.A. And he was like emaciated. He looked he looked like shit. And you know that was the first time I had ever sort of knew that that he had alluded to it basically at that point and that was the first time i saw it then he came home from, from uh california and he was actually living with me for two years um and it was fine you know i i wasn't married didn't have kids at that point and you know i had this house so i was like you know it's cool it'd be fun todd's gonna be here we'll you know we'll do what we do and you know as soon as he got up here you know i'm in you know outside of of uh you know albany outside of saratoga and i always you know i always found it so incredible with todd he could sniff out drugs from anybody and so one one day i was in my basement that he and i and this other guy had used to you know we jam and everything and I was it was furnished, so I was cleaning everything, and I moved the couch, and there was a whole bag of needles and like a spoon, and obviously the first thing that comes to my mind is that's Todd, that's Todd shit. I'm fucking furious. I'm I can't believe he brought this shit into my house, and you know this is this is probably 14 years ago. This so this is way before heroin is this thing that's on everybody's mind. And so I was fucking like furious with him. And I brought it up to him and he's like, that's not mine. That's the other dude who was in the band. And I'm like, what are the fucking odds that he finds another guy to play in the band with us who lives outside of freaking Albany, New York in this little shit town and the dude does heroin.
1: Well, that's, you know, that's he like heroin,
4: and you know, and and that was always the thing with Todd. He would, you know, he he would find like if I had Adderall or something in the house, you know, he he could find it. He could find it in my car. You know, it was crazy. But I, you know, but I don't know that lifestyle. I don't know the the lifestyle of somebody who who's an addict who who uses like that. So yeah, he, so that, he that was. Yeah, that was, you know, just going back to your question on that, that's where it sort of, I started seeing it. Um, And then, and then he moved, you know, after a couple of years living there, he moved down to the city, which, you know, you know, some, some people say, you know, some of my friends go, oh, that was the worst thing for him. But you want to know what? Was it? I mean, he, he, he died up here. Right. died. You know At his parents house So It,
1: it was matter. a miracle That he didn't die In his parents apartment It was like There's no reason That he there, There's no rhyme or reason To when uh, He was gonna die You know And, and I, I mean like And uh Well
3: I never thought he would Because
4: he To me he, he was He was Keith Richards man That dude We would always joke about that That He could do More drugs then I mean, look, you know, I'm not a big drug guy. I'll, you know, I'll puff now and again and, you know, I drink, but I, you know, that sort of thing. It was amazing the amount that he could consume. And so I always thought he, he would be fine. And I think he would have been, honestly, if it wasn't, I mean, maybe I, I could be wrong, but if it wasn't for, you know, the fentanyl. Um I think that maybe it would have just kept going and it would have been an issue and a problem and you know something would have happened eventually obviously but not not at the rate that it did.
1: Well, I know I don't know if you remember this, but over I mean over the years you and I talked a bunch because um I would get clean and then I would decide I was very worried about Todd and we would talk about it. And um, do you remember that? Like, we talked about it a few times here and oh, yeah. there. Like, what oh, was going on? I remember
4: when he got arrested on Fish Tour down in Virginia. And, yeah, I remember specifically speaking to you about that.
1: Yeah, he got—I mean, he, he would put himself into some, I mean, like, terrible situations. He got arrested selling ecstasy to undercover FBI agents, which, like— Even that, I mean, like, I think there's something also wrong with me, Rob, because, like, Dopey, the whole point of Dopey, it was basically invented out of, like, Todd. You know what I mean? Like, everything Todd did, I thought was just the funniest thing in the world. And even, I mean, like, the only thing that wasn't funny about selling ecstasy to undercover FBI agents in Virginia was that he was going to have a felony. And that felony was going to be... You know, I, I think it was a pillar in the end of Todd's life of what made him so unhappy. You know what I'm saying? Like,
4: oh, Todd- definitely was. I mean, he, you know, he couldn't pass background tests, you know, or checks, you know, and and I think that. Yeah, no, that was that was rough because then he was, you know, I, I think I recall like, he was back up in the city afterwards, and like he was in like Rikers Island.
1: Well, did you ever hear that and, story?
4: Yeah, from him.
1: What did he tell and, you? And, like,
0: but well, that's the
4: thing is like he told the story and like I'm like, did that really happen or was Todd just like so out of it? He told me like a story of like some some guy like getting beaten by a. By a correction officer, and like he told me about how he got busted, like by like a bike cop or something, you know, something along those lines. The
1: story he told me—it's
4: all half. It was all—I'm sure either it, it wasn't all there, you know.
1: Oh yeah, but he also he knew his audience. You know, he told me a story that he was on the lower east side, like to get methadone or something, and he was on his bike on the sidewalk. And he had heroin in his pocket and he yep. got a ticket for having a bike on the sidewalk and they busted him because he had the heroin in his pocket. And he yeah, went to was... he went to Rikers. He went into full blown withdrawal at Rikers and he saw somebody die at Rikers.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what what I heard. So I mean, it was actually the same story. I just you know can't re- recall it. As well as you
3: But yeah
1: Well I thought that When he went to Rikers It could be a good thing For him Because like Maybe it would be Something that finally Scared him You know Because Todd got away With so much shit In his life He was He would always Get away with shit and um, and I thought here he wasn't getting away with shit And then my ex-girlfriend stepped in And found him and bailed him out out of nowhere You know, which was good I mean, he shouldn't, you know The, the point is, though, when he came out of there And then he couldn't hold a job together Like, you know he just, he didn't want to live But this is not, the point was not to be sad The point was to celebrate The, the I mean, because Todd was Like, for my money He was like One of the most fun people I ever knew And, um, and he, his Him, in him personally He was like a drug You hung out with Todd and you felt good Because he was full of so much Joy and life And, um you know do you, Can you can you give me any Like classic Ridiculous story uh, From your relationship With him
4: um, Honestly You know You you had You know A little behind the scenes You had asked me To come up with something And like it, it was I feel like I mean there's a million Because of the fact that But I'd have to like Sit down and like Kind of come up with Like a way to like Tell this story But I'm, like, sort of looking at it, and and I apologize if this isn't, you know. I look at it, like, Todd, it, at the end, you know, and now it's been, at this point it's been, I think, 10 months, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still have these amazing, amazing memories of him. And, and my wife... I think she. I think Todd was her favorite person. I and I think it it really hit her hard when when he passed. And I don't mean to be morose on this, and you know, be a little bit down on this, but,
1: but be No, Rob, it's fine. It's that's it, one of our but, best friends died. You know, you can be however yeah, you want to be. So we had. It, I think really
4: why. A few reasons why it just hit hard for her and I can sort of you know see it from her view and maybe this will make sense to to the people listening is that we had in uh, just a year ago April April 12th we had our first and only daughter after trying really hard for a long time and you know Todd was around her so much the baby in the two months yeah in the two months and
3: we have this amazing picture up at Lake George of him holding um, holding her
4: and it just seemed like he was really happy around her and um, we were you know me and my at that point fiance now wife we're we're just about to get married you know less than a month after um, he died And I think for the probably the first two or three weeks after he passed, it was hard not associating Todd with my new daughter and seeing that and having just look, having a sad feeling because I couldn't get him out of my mind and my wife, Jen, she would be crying and she would, I'd wake up in the morning and hear her cry. And, but at the same time, we had this beautiful new baby and we were gonna get married. And I think that, you know, that's what just made it so much harder was that these, these were like two things, the wedding. He was the first person who sent an RSVP. He was like, so psyched for the wedding. And it was it was it was hard and you know you look everybody who who listens knows the stories from Todd and Todd can tell a story way the hell better than I can um but maybe the thing that that he can't (laughs) couldn't do as well was really you know discuss what hurt him because he, he didn't do that too often with me. Um, and I was probably one of his best friends. I mean, I I would imagine, you know, me, yourself, Sean. Um, and I didn't hear that stuff. And that was, you know, partially an issue. So, yeah, I could sit here and tell you, like, a funny story or something like that. But to me, when I get the call from Allison, Allison's uh, husband, Todd's sister's husband, Um, and I saw come up Allison Curry on on my phone. I just, you know, figured, oh, Todd, you know, maybe he's in the hospital or something. And it was her husband, and he just bluntly said that Todd died. And I've, I've never reacted like, like I did at that point. It was, it was a mix between shock. And just complete and utter sadness. It wasn't anger, it wasn't any of that. It was just it was just pure sadness that this guy that brought me so much joy for 25 years, yeah. um, he I was not that was the hardest thing to, to grasp was just that he's, he's not going to be around anymore.. Um, and Jen still says to me, "I miss Todd. I miss Todd." And it, you know, you know, because I'm sure I know you. You, I believe you lost your mom. You know that it gets a little bit easier as the months go on, and it has. Um, but when I think about it, um, it's not great.
1: No, no. Uh,
4: but luckily, our you know our minds are built so that we can't. Luckily, fixate on these things, and we can then, you know, move on and look at our daughter and smile again and, and things like that. But it doesn't make it any less hard when you know I have this conversation, and you know I can I can do it now without crying, which is good. Right, uh, it was really really tough, but you know, uh,
1: you called me to tell me. That he died, um, and I had a kind of similar um, I don't know I had a weird situation. I was in the kitchen in our house with Linda and uh, Nora and the baby, and we were giving the baby a bath and um, and you called me and uh, and I showed Linda you know that it was you, and Linda said, I think something bad happened, and I I just kind of I didn't know that Todd was dead but I knew that we were getting close to that place you know what I'm saying like I just kind of you know Todd lived like Todd didn't want to live you know he told me that straight up to my face I couldn't even believe it when he told me that Um, but when you told me he had died you know I couldn't accept it you know um, I was angry at his parents and whatever i just i went into a weird denial kind of thing, and then I sat in the backyard and I cried you know hysterically, and my daughter saw me crying and it was- i think it was the first time she ever saw me cry and um she said I looked like a monkey uh but i couldn 't stop crying you know and uh and, and you know six weeks later ma Chris died and um and it was just like i couldn 't even believe it. Um, and uh, and at this point in my life, um, I don't. I, I cry for both of them, Rob. You know, I do here and there. Uh, but with Todd, like it could be a song. You know, the other morning I was I was like looking for songs, and uh, there's an old Toots and the Maytals song, fifty four forty six. That's my number. You know that song? I don't know. <clears throat> And uh, and it came on The mix or whatever And I just started crying uh, For Todd You know because uh, He was just such a You know I just I don't I never would have Pinned myself as somebody Who would be friends with Todd Or who would love Todd The way I love Todd But I did And um It's just, you know, I hear what you're saying. You know what I mean? And you're right. You know, uh, life is about loss and the human brain is conditioned to fucking get to the next place. Um, But you know what I want you to do? I want to make you do something that you don't want to do. I want you to tell the story um, because I remember he told me the story. And then maybe you'll remember it And you won't remember it I don't remember it He didn't tell it on Dopey If you can't remember it I don't care Don't worry about it But when you guys Went to Jones Beach For fish And like He almost got arrested But he didn't get arrested Or something Well that
4: Yeah so Well that was I mean that was The lucky side of Todd Because You know we talk about The fact that He got busted For selling to cops But (laughs) Which is, you know, in and of itself crazy. But he should have gotten busted a million times. And obviously, you were at at Ithaca. You know, when he initially got busted.
1: No, I was gone already. I I had I had transferred.
4: Oh, you had okay, because. I mean that's the reason why he ended up, you know, up at Oswego with me was, you know, he got booted for for the acid in the freezer. But
1: the two hundred hit of acid story, which yeah, he actually exactly. he told that story on dopey. I had never heard the full story and he told it on Dopey um and he was on heroin when he told that story at my father's house. But tell, tell this this getting yeah, so, away with it at Jones Beach.
4: So, yeah, we're at, we're at Fish at Jones Beach. And we're just in a lot, and me and this other guy, there's three of us there, and Todd's in the backseat of um, my buddy Mike's car. And he's just sitting there, and he's just rolling joints. And it was our job. We were facing each other out in the parking lot, me and this dude, Mike. And our jobs were to watch in each direction because there were these park troopers or, you know, cops that would come around. You know, they weren't, you know, they were real police. And so all of a sudden just like out of nowhere the dude that I was with Mike he just didn't do the job right because all of a sudden this cop was just right there with like a full cop car <laughs> and he comes out and he sees Ty in the back of the car just being looking just so sketchy she was just I mean he looked ridiculous and so He comes up and, like, Todd, like, looks out of the car and up at the officer. And we're sitting back and we're going, that's it, we're fucked. I mean, he's going to not only, you know, whatever he's going to do, but this is in our buddy's car. Something's going to happen here. So he searches Todd, and Todd had, like, five different types of drugs on him. He He had Molly, he had... Uh, Valium You know He had obviously had weed um,
1: I think he had um, heroin too I I think so I'm sure
4: he did But I mean at that point You know He didn't tell me that That was in the Right in the mix You know Exactly So We're just sitting I mean There's no reason that Todd shouldn't have gotten Arrested And taken away Because he saw All these pills And all this other shit And then The cop just goes "All right, man Just you know, just don't be doing that out in public. And lets him go. And like there was, I, I couldn't believe it. Like there was absolutely, absolutely no reason to to do it. He should have. I mean, Todd should have gotten arrested right then and there. And it was, you know, it, I guess it's just Todd's luck. And we had a great show. But then at that show, it goes back to we're sitting there, and this is me looking. Watching him sniff out people and buying Molly from them in the audience during a show, he like can find the people, not who has who have weed, or, you know, who's smoking weed. That's obvious, but people who have, you know, drugs.
3: Yeah, uh- and he's
4: sitting there buying. Yeah, he's sitting there buying Molly, you know, in the middle of a show from some dude who he's never met in his entire life, and this was not two hours after. The bus, he yeah, probably should be in a in a jail cell.
1: Did the cops take the 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 ecstasy off of him or not?
4: No, he he let him have everything. He didn't take one thing.
1: Yeah, he
3: didn't take anything.
1: Yeah, but that was I mean that was something that was like it's like that was Todd's hobby. That was the thing, and that's why Todd couldn't get better. Todd only liked getting fucked up. And he only liked going to fish shows and he loved scoring drugs. He loved it. I mean, I loved it too, but Todd fucking loved that shit because he loved connecting with strangers through it. He loved talking to people. He just loved that aspect of his life. And um, I remember, you know, and I think I've told you about this conversation and I'm sure I've talked about it on the show. Um, he couldn't keep a job. You know, And he had gotten his last job in Manhattan Was in this uh, Olive Tree Cafe Which is above the Comedy Cellar on Sullivan Street and, uh, and he would always brag to me about talking to Artie Lang And all the comedians that would come And all the money he could make and this and that um, But then I went to see him Because I hadn't seen him in a while And Todd never wanted to see me when I was sober And he was using uh todd liked to consider me like this this bad drug addict that he you know that he wouldn't be as bad as me he always held that over my head um but so when i was clean he like didn't want to deal with me so i went to go see him because i missed him you know and um and i was like todd just come take a walk with me you know and we took this walk and he told me how um how all he wanted to do was get high And how all he wanted to do was go see fish And how that was Those were his interests You know what I mean That was what he There was nothing else that really interested him And um, you know It's just sad I mean he said to me that he didn't want to live anymore And um, and I looked at him and I said Dude you're forty. you're 42 I think I said You can live another 42 years And they can be better years And he didn't want to hear about it You know what I'm saying
4: no, he, he, yeah, and you know his his rehabs were always, you know, half assed. As far as he would still, drink, he would still drink, if he'd still smoke. But and I, I don't mean to laugh, but you know, he would come home from rehab, and you know, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm clean now," and he'd be drinking you know and smoking weed well yeah yeah it's just like smoking a bad amount of weed and like you know look i'm not i'm not somebody who is uh, against weed or i'm not a huge weed guy i mean it's fine whatever no issues with it but you know if you're trying to be sober um Alcohol and, and and smoking weed, you know, can't, they can't help.
1: Well, they're not being, you know? it's not sober, you know?
4: No, it's not sober. And, I mean, you know, and that was the thing that I always, you know, with Todd, he's one of those guys, and, and everybody has a few of these friends out there who can get up in the morning, and they, they puff, and they puff throughout the day. And to me, that's just, like, that's insane. Because, like... You're you're just high all day, and like how you equate how Todd equated
3: that with with being okay and being sober was beyond me. But
4: you know, okay, if you're doing that and you're not doing heroin, that's fine. But it was never the case. So
1: well, he would do that. I mean, the the I would always say to him, "You're not going to be able to just smoke weed. You know, it's a nice idea." That you could just sure. smoke weed. Of but course. you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to get high on bud and you're going to miss getting high on heroin. And it's that's what's going to happen. And, you know, that is what happened. Not to mention, like, I mean, for me in recovery, it's about having freedom and choices and the ability to, like, be who I want to be. You know, I loved getting high. I love. I loved smoking pot. I loved smoking pot as much as he did. It's just, I knew that like, and I'm not saying I don't smoke, I don't, I don't not smoke pot because I'm scared of heroin. I don't smoke pot because if I smoke pot, I'll smoke pot all day. And if I smoke pot all day, I don't think I'm going to get half the things done that I want to get done, and I won't be able to really be myself. And I, and I think in Todd's situation, he didn't want to feel like himself. He was like, Dave, I don't want to fucking not get stoned. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. And um, he didn't really give it a chance. You know, he didn't give himself a chance, which is the saddest part to me.
3: Yeah, because,
4: <laughs> you know, obviously... Two months before he passed, he was in that you know that hardcore you know rehab place, you know the whatever sober living, you know, yeah, sober living place, and you know so it went from that to to where it is now in you know in two months. So it it was you know unfortunately you know it was destined. It was destined you know to go that way um you know if if any of these things couldn't help then you know maybe you know he obviously he wasn't meant to just keep going so
1: no exactly and then here we are you know what I mean and his birthday is this week and um and that's why I wanted to do this I mean I wanted to do this because I love Todd um I want I just want people to know like what an amazing guy he he was and that um if you're anything like him you don't have to die. That's really my point with this whole thing.
4: You know. Yeah, and I, you know, I I completely agree and that you know, that's always been been my thing and sort of going back to originally what I was talking about just you know, Todd was a great guy. So you know i try not to you know, this is fine this is great you know us talking about this and talking about this stuff because you know it is part of the the narrative of ta is part of this whole thing his his story but you know to me um it's only you know a, a small portion of it um the heroin part the weed part is a huge portion for Todd in my thing with Todd. He was always he was always that guy. He was way ahead of his times with weed. Way ahead. But uh you know that to me that was more just comical than than scary. And then it turns scary. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate uh, you being in this thing. And I know that he would have loved that you're in it, even though he would have been embarrassed because he didn't want you to know all the stuff he did. And he did a lot of crazy stuff. You know, like he never got he he told me some story where he was working for Dog the Bounty Hunter. And he went to Colorado And uh, and he had run out of heroin And I think he wanted to find coke And he wound up finding crack And like that was the only story I wanted him to tell on Dopey And we never got there um, I actually tweeted at Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife To see if she could tell the story But I don't think she's going to respond to my tweet No um, But Todd is that guy man I mean he he uh, He's one of our best friends and, uh, and, and you know we'll never meet anybody like him again not totally but I appreciate you calling in and uh, I hope I see you soon yeah definitely we'll see each other this summer right on man alright cool thanks Rob thanks Dave right on
4: have a good one you too Bye.
1: so those were two upstate voices Allie and Rob and next we have one of my uh, oldest friends uh, who I've wanted to have on Dopey for a long time this is Dave uh, another Dave yo Dave What's happening? What's happening? This is very exciting. All right. Dopey Nation, uh, very exciting moment in the history of Dopey. On the phone right now, can I use your initials or should I just call you Dave? Uh, initials are fine. Okay. It's my very, very old friend, dear friend, one of my favorite people uh, to have ever walked the earth, the DK. <laughs> DK, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show.
5: DK. Hello, Dopey Nation.
1: Hello, Dave. Hello. I have to say that um, out of anybody on the show, besides Todd... You know, I, I use drugs with, with DK more than anybody else. You know, <laughs> we, we did it. And if you guys remember a long time ago when me and Chris were starting to do the show, uh, I told an episode about sneaking into Madison Square Garden, and that was with Dave. It, it was. It
5: was glorious.
1: It was glorious. It was one of the greatest moments of our lives.
5: It was, it was a magical night
1: and uh and dave and i uh met in ithaca uh when we also met todd and dave actually met todd first and 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 we were thick as thieves and we hung out uh all of us hung out from one end of the country to the other uh from one dimension you know to as many as we could possibly get to we were so consumed with getting high
5: right basically yeah i think that was it i yeah, um, yeah I, I just suddenly got nervous
1: Don't get nervous <laughs> Nobody listens to this stupid show I swear, don't even think about it <laughs> It's funny, that's what I do That's how I trick myself Is I,
5: I think one of the first times we got high Was when I crawled in through your window at Ithaca Weren't you smoking a bong outside of the
1: Definitely Definitely And you were drunk And you crawled into the window And like we had like An aquarium channel On the TV And like listening to reggae Or something And, and you were like What are you guys doing And then you got high And like And like you were Forever It ruined your life It was like It ruined Basically it ruined your life um, But didn't you meet Todd um, Like wasn't Todd The first person you met at school I, didn't, I met Todd briefly for orientation, but Todd's mom and my mom got along famously, Right, and
5: they met, and she was like, well, you've got to meet this boy Todd, and I was like, and I met Todd, and I was like, I don't know if I'm, I'm down with Todd. <laughs> it was, he was, you know, I was a Spielberg nut and listened to classical music, and, and, uh, you know or soundtracks I didn't even listen to classical, but Todd was this hippie kid who was you know full on party. I really wasn't big when i first first got to I the guy wasn't big on the party, but he was he, yeah you know he was a he was full blown uh,
1: todd was he was Todd was like almost a it's like when you first meet Todd, he was almost a caricature. You know, he he was almost like not to be believed that he could be a real person like
5: that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it wasn't until I started smoking weed that I got Todd.
1: Right, I still I did, it took me years to get Todd. I remember I would hang out with Todd and I would be like, "Why are we hanging out with this guy?" You remember? I mean like I'd be like, "This guy, this guy is like retarded." But then like me and Ryan started selling weed and Todd started being like, "Why don't we go in together?" And we would go down to his apartment and split you know, ounces of bud And break them up And we'd split them And sell them And there was just something So lovable about him And so fun
3: he, It
5: was fun he was, It was always fun When Todd's was around Yes It just became Yeah, it became a party It became some other I mean, it was the other side You go to the other side with Todd Like, let's get to the other side Yeah We're going to the other side, boys
1: yeah and that and that, yeah and that was his that was that was what he wanted to do and he, it was never enough and then the three of us would always challenge each other on how far we could go <laughs> Yes I mean that became a thing right
5: well, Do you remember the lifestyle yeah it's like you, you, I think that was the thing wasn't it it was like the lifestyle What was you it it was like how much weed you could smoke, how many whatever you could do, you know the more the better it was well, we I remember calling it the lifestyle
1: i don't remember that I do remember the other side, and I do remember that we lived it like it was everything, and it's like it's obvious that we would all become hard drug addicts you know
5: i didn't yeah for me, it was. It was a long slide into the into the deep dark realms of narcotics. Yeah, because early on it was fun. It was smoking weed, eating you know, eating acid and mushrooms,
3: and you know, kind of lighter fare. Right, psychedelia.
1: I think for you, I think for you, I think that you kind of bandied about the dark side, but it wasn't until your ex girlfriend. Uh, got you interested I mean, but we were interested in it before that But she was like the conduit to go to the terrible places
5: For me, yeah that It was to- Can we say names?
1: Yeah, you can say her first name Don't say her last name
5: Yeah, for me, Jenny was Was kind of like a, a gateway to the, to the dark side
1: Yeah, because if I think about it When we were living together Uh, And you started dating Jenny Jenny had done a lot more drugs than we had
5: Oh, and she'd been to jail And, yeah, no, there was She was, like She'd done stuff that I couldn't even
3: Think you could come back from Right I was was completely
5: smitten with With the idea that she was such a bad girl
1: Well, she was a bad girl
5: She was She was, yeah
1: Oh, man smartcore. And that And that, I mean, but somehow, like Like she was the way she was, and we started doing, you know, coke, and then and then we started doing dope, and um, and she started doing dope, and that's how you got a habit was because she started doing dope.
5: Hundred percent. That's exactly what happened. I got a habit because I mark ergano once. Uh Huh? But then, do you remember Mark? Uh, Mike Gargano.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Oh, I, I can't it's okay. It's okay. I'm sure he's dead. <laughs> I hope you're not dead, Mike. But I know he's not listening to the show. Uh, what about I it? Know.
5: If he is, hi, Mike. What it's about it? Long, long time. I did it with him once. Remember that other kid, uh, Oscar?
1: Dude, I worked for Oscar. Tell that story, and then let's get into Todd.
5: Well, <laughs> I don't even what the, the Oscar over, overdosing in my dorm room. Yeah. And I, yeah, I got him kicked out of school unintentionally.
1: Tell that you're not telling the story well. What what exactly happened?
5: Yeah, uh, shit, man. I haven't even thought about that in years. Uh, I very vague
1: and also hold on hold on dopey nation you need to know that this kid oscar was the kid who when i was a private eye and went to see the cable guy that was oscar Uh, you know they they a lot of the dopey nation loves that story um you know oscar became oscar got me a job as a private eye but the way we met him was he he wasn't one of your sweet mates was he
5: no, he wasn't. But he hung out with the with the kids in my suite. Right. He was always there. And he was getting he was getting high on you know, he was doing smack in the suite with the I forget who who it was. I was probably Mike and then God, I don't even remember the other kids' names.
1: Who was art school? It was a bunch of artists who wanted to do heroin. Yeah, that was it. They all wanted to be Kerouac or whoever the fuck they wanted to be. And they were
5: all we were pretty Beat Nikki, yeah, and yeah, and Oscar. I came home once, and Oscar was like passed out, and Mike was sitting in the room, and they were they had the TV on, and I kind of looked at Oscar, and he was kind of pale, and he had drool going down. <laughs> so i never really even paid attention to anybody on heroin at all. You know, it was kind of new, and and I said, hey, Mike, I think you know Oscar oscar looks pretty bad he's drooling and mike freaked out he goes what what and he ran out of the room and i was like okay you know and i tried to shake him and wake him up and he would not wake up and mike came back in the room and said oscar's fucked up call the paramedics or do something and ran out and ran away and i I didn't know what the hell to do so i just I called the paramedics and I was like, I got this guy here. He's unresponsive. It doesn't look like he's breathing or anything. And the paramedics came and it was a huge, you know, a huge scene there. They revived him. I think he I, he did stop breathing. and But they revived him. He came back. And then subsequently. Got kicked got out of out, school. He was on heroin. He got kicked out of school. I think his father disowned him or something, and he came back. He actually came back and he thanked me, which was very sweet. And I think that's when I got invited out to, weren't you guys, like... You're doing an investigation on a nightclub or something?
1: Yeah, we were we were like going to the limelight in the tunnel, posing the no. posing as club goers and we were private eyes. We all went there together. Were you there the night they kicked me out because they thought I was smoking cocaine? And and they <laughs> kicked me out and I was like, No man, it's just really good bud and they were like they kicked me out. Were you there that night?
5: I, was that the night Oscar threw your shoe across the
1: No, I threw my shoe at Oscar. Uh, oh, that's right. Years later, because he didn't pay me for a job. But um, Crazy. but let's get back. Let's get back you to know. Todd, because this is not a show about Oscar. This is a show about Todd. Um, and um, so let's, let's go. Uh, to your Todd story. Because uh, I think your Todd story is great. But first, actually, before you, you got into heroin through Jenny and me and Todd. Todd was living at my house then. You remember? Yes. So Todd was living with me, and you and Jenny were getting high, and me and Todd were getting high on dope. Everybody was getting high on dope. And then that's when you and me started writing that script, and we would do coke and uh and and todd and todd wanted to help write the script but instead he would just cut lines of coke and do coke with us and stuff <laughs> he read, he, that's really all he did he didn't he didn't help with the script much at all i don't think he wrote any of the script it was, <laughs> it, was it was the chill bug right yeah
5: we're writing the chill bug
1: yes yes yeah. it was a master master work that will never see the light of day the yeah. chill bug, because either you're chilling or you're bugging out. That was the whole idea of the chill bug. Okay,
5: that's right. Now, that, that was such a good script.
1: Do you have any idea if, uh, if you left first or if Todd left first? I think Todd left first.
5: Um, what do you mean left?
1: Because Todd and Jeremy took off and uh and moved to los angeles or moved to you know they drove across country because they were both getting too addicted to dope so they left but i think you stuck around with jenny for a while afterwards i I, I did well i left and then i came back with jenny
5: because she was on probation and she had to she had to go she had to come back for her probation she couldn't have she shouldn't have left the state, but she did, and then she freaked out when she was in California. So she came back, and I, me being a dumbass, she called me up, and I went out there with her. We got an apartment, and we actually we ended up in Brooklyn for a couple months in the summer.
1: I have this memory of you being totally dope sick and and getting ready to leave town. You know, and you came to me to get dope and me being the fucking piece of shit that I was. I was like, I'll get you dope, but you have to get me dope, too. And um, and then uh, and I went and I scored us dope and uh, and I gave you the dope. I gave you the heroin. And I remember I sat in your car with you. On like Bowery and Third Street or something, and we were just like our whole fucking friendship was like basically over. Uh, And and you were just so fed up. Well, we were both addicted to heroin, and uh, and you were like, I called my sister. I said I don't know
5: what. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm addicted to heroin, and she said you have to call dad, and so I called him and I told him and they and he said come home and then I got the heroin from you enough to get me home so I wouldn't be sick and that's when I left that was like 98 I think wasn't it it was like Uh, 20 years ago shit
1: yeah yeah that sounds right but so it was so was it after that that you moved to California or it was before that
5: after that then I chased Jenny out to California
1: and then that's where you reconvened with Todd
5: that's right. I stayed in Alpha, it's Alphabet City, right?
1: No, that's oh. Alphabet City in Manhattan. I don't know. I don't know what's in San Francisco. Maybe there's an Alphabet City in San I Francisco. Think there's an
5: Alphabet City in San Francisco, and that's where the, they had a house with like five hippies in it. Yeah, and I, Joanna and, and Todd and, and uh, a bunch of hippies. People would squat there, and I ended up squatting there. And eventually, I got the. I, I, I moved up to Mill Valley, which was closer to Jenny, and I worked for. Uh, for uh, strategic simulations for the video game company. Right. Yeah. And uh, I was still scoring heroin out there. You know, once once I connected with Jenny, she found the black tar. And then me and Todd, Todd was out there and he was doing PI stuff. And I would hang out with Todd and we would mix the, the black tar into Afrin bottles full of like a little bit of water. So you could just spend all day just with an Afrin bottle, squirting it up your nose. And I'd spend countless evenings sniffing heroin uh, right outside of Todd's door, outside just in San Francisco, getting high. <laughs> then I'd drive to Mill Valley, or I'd sleep at his house.
1: Right uh, And what was, was Horrible What was the um, Well <laughs> I
5: didn't even like talking
1: about it Those The fucking The fucking Afrin bottle Was such a an efficient way To do heroin too um,
5: it, it was Wonderful I would be on I'd be on the You know uh, I'd be on the elevator With CEOs And I'd Be squirting Heroin into my nose And they'd be like Oh you got a cold And they'd be like Yeah you know the saffron really works wonders.
1: Yeah, I have a constant cold, and it's not going away.
5: <laughs> I need to feed it with my saffron bottle constantly.
1: So tell tell your Todd, um, the Todd uh, private eye story.
5: It's not a very good story. It's, it's, it was a brief moment where we were driving around, and we wanted to get high. and But he was working, so he had this jeep that his parents had bought him. It was a beautiful Jeep, brand new black
1: Jeep and Cherokee. Great car. Amazing it car. Oh,
5: it was beautiful. Brand new. And he had all the windows blacked out with I don't know, some special material that would you could not see into it. Like it just looked like black paint. But you could look out of it, you could see
1: just you could see clear it was I mean it was just Clear as vodka. I think the expression is clear as day. Clear as vodka.
5: You know you're an alcoholic when you say... I thought I'd throw in the... The You know the Drug <laughs> reference
1: You you know you're an alcoholic When you say Clear as vodka Instead of clear as day <laughs> Isn't that what people say? I thought it was clear as vodka No anyway, like Vodka tape Anyway So so you're in the fucking uh, so, so you're in the In the In the Jeep so, uh, so we're doing He's He's doing his thing He's videotaping And taking pictures
5: For whatever Thing he has to do And we're sitting in the back And um, And he, he's got like An eight ball So we're blowing
3: lines and (laughs) just doing coke in the back of this car
5: and a cop suddenly shows up around the corner and pulls up like right behind like parks right behind them and we are flipping out and Todd doesn't know so we just freeze and Todd's like he can't see us there's no way he can't see us he doesn't even know we're here just stay still don't move And so we just sat there and we watched the cop. And the cop, I don't know what the cop was doing, but he stayed there for like about 10 minutes, just in his car, right behind us. And we had the blow, we couldn't move, so the blow was everywhere. And and suddenly the cop just kind of backs up a little bit and pulls away and drives off. And that's the story and Todd, so how we got away with
1: it. Right, which was a lot of stories like we're like Not that. All
5: the stories. I we never nothing really bad ever happened.
1: Well, you know, bad stuff happened to Todd, you know, but he would get away with it too. You know, he would get away with it too. And um, and then you wound up eventually, how did you get out of all of it?
3: How did I get out of
5: the lifestyle
1: Actually before we get to that Tell the Because uh, Jeremy actually uh, I, I, did, I recorded a quick phone call with Jeremy And he was telling a story about When him and Todd drove across the country You know basically You know you and I drove across the country Him and Todd drove across the country And then me and Todd drove across the country I think a couple times Me and Todd drove across the country Like dope sick you know, like, he had dope, and I had methadone, and, uh, and it was cold. And he was leaving L.A. because he was done. You know, there was this classic fucking story um, where me and Todd were uh and we were at the fucking bottom of the barrel dave uh the two of us had no money we had terrible dope habits uh todd had like been arrested and lost everything had nothing gotten kicked out of jeremy's house i think was living with me and jenny and um and fucking uh oh my god you've
5: been crashing your car or something didn't you have a car that you kept crashing or
1: I crashed multiple cars. Okay. I I crashed multiple cars and Todd Todd had given up his Jeep to buy like a like a fifty thousand dollar Honda or something, some like
5: it was tricked out, wasn't yeah, it? Some, some kind of rice burner thing that was like low to the ground and,
1: Yeah, yeah. And then but then he lost that because he couldn't make payments on it. So he wound up <laughs> buying he wound up buying this like used Crown Vic that was like an ex uh, cop car that looked like a Blues Brothers car and I wish I could have seen that and, uh, and me and him were driving to pick up Jenny and like the car like he was still doing the afrin bottle thing you know and uh, he
5: never, he would never shoot it right he would only snort it
1: yeah he was too he didn't he was too scared to shoot it and he would always snort it with the afrin bottle or like in california he always used the afrin bottle and in new york he always just sniffed it off of cds
5: did you guys get black tar out in california was it all black tar? all black tar yeah um, See, that mixed so nicely in the water It would just dissolve could
1: But it makes you wonder it. it makes you wonder Like how the powder would have mixed in the water Like true. You know, I bet you the powder would have mixed even better But we just um, snorted it like it was lines Because it was powder uh uh-huh.
5: I remember the smell of Oh, yeah Baby foods or whatever Yeah, I know uh,
1: I, I, You know, I can't I can't escape that. that stuff I mean, I've been clean for I mean, you've been off heroin for 20 years And you can still remember the smell
5: oh I'm for the rest of my life
1: so me and Todd were driving across LA i think on sunset boulevard and like whenever i would smoke a cigarette i would flick it from the window you know like <laughs> as far as i could and he would be like dude you got to stop doing that and i'd be like what nobody cares whatever you know what i mean and um and i think he's like his Either his license had expired, or his insurance had lapsed, or so he was like driving not legally, you know. And uh, and we're driving across Sunset Boulevard, and I and I and we're high as shit. And I flick a cigarette, and it hits a cop car. Okay. <laughs> and uh, of course it does. and and the sirens go off. And uh and they don't see all the dope. We have heroin in the front seat. You know, we have heroin, we have an Afrin bottle, I have pills, like there's bud, there's everything, you know. And they don't take any of the drugs, but they took Todd to jail. Okay? And for, for the driving under a lapsed license or something, you know. Wreck. You know, I mean he had a fucking warrant. He had a warrant is what it was. He, I don't remember what for But he had a warrant So they took him to jail And he was so angry I mean like if he was alive right now He'd still be angry at me About this story You know And, and I wound up I wound up taking all the drugs You know what I mean And, um, and then his mother Sent me and Jenny the money To bail him out Okay And um, His mother sent me and Jenny the money To bail him out and then for years We like We got the money back We we used the money to bail them out. And we got the money back And we didn't send it back to her immediately So, so we like lived We lived on the money You know Of course And yeah. she got so mad And he got so mad And it was this whole thing And then there was this other time And this was just such a classic Todd thing Um and I've told this story on Dopey, I think, but uh where me and Todd I think i probably told all these stories on Dopey. So forgive me, Dopey Nation, but this is DK. You know what are you gonna I
5: love hearing the stories.
1: So uh so me and Todd
5: I, I missed this whole part of your life when you were out in LA.
1: It wasn't a good part. It was a bad part of my life. I was on methadone, I was a mess, I wasn't working, it was bad. Um but um, You're all bad. Yeah. Um anyway. So there was, this, there was this detox that I would go to over and over and over again. Like, I just kept going back. Because you know how I was with using. I, I would just use. You know what I mean? I, like, made no apologies about it. And I, I just was like, I'm going to use. And I would just use. You know what I mean? Like, Todd would right. use a couple days a week. And I would, like, be like, I'm not going to stop. And uh, until I couldn't.
5: You were full in. Todd, Todd always tried to maintain that he, was, he wasn't an addict, that he had control over it.
1: Right, and I wasn't like that Um, So uh, I would keep going to this detox And then finally Todd was like I'm going to go to the detox, blah 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 And he goes to the detox And he decides that the food is so bad That he's not going to stay there so he's going to leave because the goulash is so disgusting, you know, and fair, fair enough. It was really gross and it really smelled really bad. There It was disgusting. Um, but he went back to my apartment with Jenny without me. You know what I mean? And uh, and he went back there and I got home like the next day or two days later or something, you know, and um, and I was still a little bit dope sick. OK, Right. And um, and I'm, I remember it was me, him, and Jenny were sitting in the living room, and uh, and I'm like, I don't feel good, and he's like, Me neither. He's like, Let's call him up. You know, he would just say that. Um,
5: Let's call,
1: call him up. He would say that even though we weren't calling anybody, we'd go downtown, <laughs> but he'd be like, Let's yeah. call him up. <laughs> that was like the call sign. Let's call him up. Yeah, he would always be just like, Call him up. Anyway. Um and uh, I know um, And so he goes he, So what he does is He's like He's like uh, He's like Dave could you, could you pass me my cigarettes They're in my bag And I was like alright And I open up his bag And there's a fucking Paquete of balloons There's like two paquetes of balloons There's like 24 balloons In his bag Like full of heroin And I'm like dude what the fuck is this And he goes oh my god I must have forgotten about them (laughs) And I was like You're such a fucking liar I was like like, you didn't forget about them I know you got them when you left Detox and I was like But let's do them right now You know (laughs) And, And he was like He was like um he was like, No, 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 no. I I, I, did. I had a whole plan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And eventually he admitted it. Eventually he admitted it. And um and years later, um years later, after I had gotten clean and I had a kid and um you know, I love Todd, but he was a fucking piece of work. You know, he showed up in Queens with dope, you know what I mean, and I hadn't used and um, I imagine
5: them. That- that must have been pretty hard if you were trying to go straight and time kept showing up. Yeah. Just a walking party.
1: But but then even before that before that he had broken up with a girlfriend of his, right? And he was depressed. And I think I had just started dating Linda And I was feeling myself You know what I mean I was like feeling like Like I can do whatever I want And I have my shit together And I was living in like a free luxury apartment Kind of thing Yeah And he was like He was like uh, I was like You know I can score whenever I want to I said to him and uh and we didn't have a connect at the time you know and he was like oh yeah he's like well how would you do it and so me and him like went down to 23rd street like at like 5 in the morning or something at a methadone clinic and you know and I got us a bunch and I got us dope immediately you know um of course and uh and we and I did that a couple times just with him challenging me uh that I couldn't do it you know and um that's just how we were though um and in the end uh you know I had gotten clean <clears throat> and he kept going and and the, the places that he wound up going to were like the, the the stories that he had in the end were so depraved like he told me a story about like that he was copping dope in Harlem uh in an apartment and he would smoke crack with this Spanish girl and um, and he would cop. He would like somehow the Spanish girl trusted him, and like he would steal money from her when she wasn't looking. He would steal money and crack from her, and then and then and then he would like buy dope with the money he stole from her. It was like it was hysterical. As far as I was concerned, it was like the best dopey story. You know,
5: um, I, I'm trying to picture him smoking crack though. I don't. I don't remember
1: Todd smoking crack No, in fact, Todd, another funny I mean, like, one of my favorite pieces of Todd's, you know uh, you know debaucherous life is that he, he loved coke, you know what I mean? Remember how much he, he loved coke? He, yes. he loved coke more than anybody And then, um, but then it started hitting him weird, and like he had this specific cocaine psychosis where he always thought he peed himself and like so he would go out like and Todd wasn't like me Todd would like want to go out and he would go out amongst all these people and he would constantly be touching his crotch to make sure he didn't pee himself <laughs> So bizarre. I know that's why he stopped doing coke. But then he also told me a story, and I mentioned it earlier in the episode where he was he was working on Dog the Bounty Hunter, and he wound up in Colorado, I think, looking to score crystal, and he wound up scoring a ton of crack, and I think that's what got him into crack.
5: Huh? Yeah, I don't remember the crack thing with Todd.
1: So tell tell the Tijuana story.
5: Yeah. So. I think I don't know if the first time Todd went to on if he went alone or if he went with Jeremy it I
1: mean, sounds like he went with Jeremy because Jeremy alluded to it
5: yeah I think that's I remember that because he had gone with and it, I don't know if it was Jeremy but um, he had gone before and it was like you know the holy grail of pills you could go there the pharmacies would just hand you whatever you wanted all you had to do was come with cash and we were like, you know, that's what we're doing. And I'm go- I am I went with him because I just wanted to get pills to eat and he wanted to sell. And he had a whole plan. I forgot how many hundreds of dollars he had. And I had like 200 or 300 bucks that, we that I scrounged together. So we head down to Tijuana. And, you know, it's a beautiful day. We get out and we're walking around. You can imagine two gringos walking around Tijuana. It's like, we should have just had neon signs, you know, over our heads just saying you know the mark is right here bust us yeah bust us you know two idiot 25 year old kids we went to the pharmacy got you know then they handed it over like it was candy and uh, so we had uh, in, instead of taking what we bought and going back to the jeep and putting it there and then wasting time or whatever I think we were going to waste time because we didn't want to Cross the border and then cross immediately again because we thought maybe they would be suspicious of that. So, like, well, we're gonna we're gonna hang around and you know let's walk down, let's go to a bar. So we're walking down the main street. I don't know what the name of the street is, and uh, there's strip clubs everywhere. And Todd's like, yeah, let's go to a strip club. And I was like, all right, you know, and we'd eat, we'd already, I'd already eaten a, a bunch of like, I think it was oxycodone. Uh, or coding, I forget what it was, that I was eating. And so I was getting, we were both really fucked up and we just found a random strip club and we were like, this one looks good, there's guys outside, they're like, hey, you know, inside, we got the ladies. So we go inside there, Todd, uh, you know, a girl comes up to Todd and, and takes him into a back room and another uh, girl comes up to me and she takes me into a back room. I was so fucked up. I couldn't. I couldn't get hard or anything. And uh, she kept trying to like get me hard. It didn't work, you know, because nothing was working at all. I was so high, and she kept she kept making fun of me. She's like, "What are you? You know, what are you gay? Are you, you know." And she, I think she kept calling me like a faggot, and and I was completely <laughs> insulted, yeah. and I just felt horrible at that point. And it, it felt like, like when we'd gotten there, you know, when things are great and you know you're you're on the mission, and then suddenly the dark clouds come over. Right. Like when we walked into the strip club, it was like the dark clouds had formed. Right. And and I walked out of there. I think Todd got got blown or something. He he told me he got he got a <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, you know. And, and I think we sat down to have a beer. I didn't even finish it. I. Don't think Todd did either. We were both pretty wasted on the pills, and so we walk out. And there's two bouncers, and they kept trying to get us to go back in. You know, they'd oh, spend the money, go, go back with the ladies. You know, the ladies want to see you. And we're like, no, you know, we're we're done. We're we're taking off. We're going home. And the minute we walked like ten steps away from that door, from those bouncers, and I swear the bouncers must like. Signaled the cops or something because as soon as we were about 10 steps away, cop, the cop car screeched up to a halt right next to us. Cops jumped out, Mexican police, and you know, put us up against the wall and started patting us down. Um, you know, there's nothing we could really do, so they find everything. They find all of Todd's pills, they find everything that I've got. We had weed on us, um, but we didn't have any cash. We, you know, we spent all the cash on the pills. So all we had, all I had, was credit cards. All Todd has is credit cards. You know, we don't even have debit cards. I don't even know if debit card. ATMs were just kind of a thing then. You know, it wasn't a big thing to have an ATM card or credit cards with like a PIN number. So we had no access to cash.
1: Right, and they just wanted—they so, just wanted their bribe. They wanted their pay. Just wanted
5: a bribe. Five hundred dollars. You know, the, the two gringos. You got money. You know, you're white boys. You know, you're from America. You got money. They split us up. So the first thing they did is they threw Todd into one cop car, and me into another, and then Todd drove off with the cops. And I was sitting in the, in the cop car, freaking out. And they keep asking me for money, and I keep saying I don't, I don't have any money. I kept showing him my wallet. I, I so I say Visa, Mastercard. <laughs> I have no money. Yo, we go to the ATM. You get money at the ATM. It's like. I can't get money at the ATM. I went up to the ATM, I pushed it in. No, you you know, they thought that I was lying to them. Right. They drove me around all night long to like four in the morning. We stopped two times for, and they picked up two, per, like a drunk and a perpetrator who was trying to like break into somebody's home or something. Right. You know, so I had two, like a drunken Mexican and another one both handcuffed next to me. One was passed out, and we we're just, and the cops are just torturing me you know they're like they're gonna break me and i think at, at like around four thirty or 5 in the morning they were finally like
1: they think enough. you're gonna come with the money they think they, that you're they gonna they have, have
5: the money and that, yeah and they, they can do this long enough and finally i'm just gonna be like okay
1: i got the money You're fine. i can't <laughs> take it anymore here's the money take it <laughs>
5: But I didn't have the money. And so they finally, I think they finally were just like, you know, they didn't want to deal with me. They've been threatening to throw me in jail, that, you know, I'm going to get raped in the jail. The Tijuana jails are terrible. Right. I mean, also, you know, they're just, and, and it's all broken English. You know, they don't really speak English that well. So I'm terrified. And they finally run, I think it was like five in the morning.
1: You're terrified, five. but you're not coming up with the money. You know what I mean? You're not like, let me call somebody and I'll get you the money. You're just kind of sitting there.
5: I, yeah, there's, I, I literally had nothing. I mean, I couldn't call my parents. I couldn't get it wired. I, you know, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking, I'm just gonna. They're just gonna throw me in jail. They're gonna push it all the way to the end. You know, right.
1: They're gonna, they're and then maybe, maybe once you're in jail, you can figure out how to get the money. But you're not gonna right. try to get the money until you're doing a night in the Spanish jail, in the Mexican <laughs> jail, whatever.
5: Dave, I couldn't, I honestly, I don't think I could've gotten the money if I had tried that night. Right. You know, I mean, there's, just, there was no way, there was, there was nobody to call, there was nobody, nobody around. You know, we were in Tijuana, the closest people I knew were up in San Francisco or Chicago. Right. And I, I, there, it, it was just an imp. and this is before smartphones, you know, or anything like that, this is all, I just had credit cards. Right. And, no access to any kind of cash. Nothing in my bank account. And uh, so, they finally got sick and tired of it, I think, and realized that I was just a lost cause. So they threw me out on the street, uh, just some, somewhere. I couldn't even tell you where I was to this day. It was it was dark. It was just before dawn, uh, and it was it was a dank street in Tijuana. And all I could think of is one maybe. By some miracle, Todd has survived the night and made it back to his Jeep. So if I can get back to the Jeep, at least that's something I can do. So I started walking towards the the main street was lighted, lit pretty well. So you kind of see the light. So I just kind of started walking towards the light. and, um, And I got to the street and I'm walking and I got to where the Jeep was. And the Jeep's gone. Right. So I'm like, okay, either, you know, they confiscated the Jeep, Todd took off, he left me, or hopefully he's, I, I, maybe he's around. So I'm like, fuck, all right. So I start just walking. I'm like, my next thought is no Jeep. Okay, I'm going to walk towards the border. You know, you can see the border. So I'm like, okay, I'm just walking to the border. So I start walking towards the border, and all of a sudden, I hear horns, and the black jeep comes skidding up next to me with the window down. And Todd's going, "DK,
3: DK!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Todd!
5: I run over, I open the door, and I jump in. We're just like screaming. Ah! He goes, "We're going!" And I go, "Go, go, go!" And I just tear out, you know, with our tails between our legs, and get through the border. We didn't have anything on us So we weren't even worried We got through the border the
1: cops had taken all the pills
5: They took everything Yeah They took everything they could That was so forth to anybody
1: That's a and classic Classic, classic story
5: And we drove off Again unscathed Unhurt Right, and just, yeah, with a good story.
1: With a good story. Me and Todd went to, uh, went to Tijuana to get pills uh, shortly after I left rehab and moved to L.A. and started smoking meth with him, and he tried to smuggle, uh, we smuggled a shitload of pills from Tijuana, and he, like, rather than just, like, putting them in his bag, he kept going, but we kept going back. He would like I think he taped the pills to his crotch and then as he's going through customs the bag starts to sweat and starts coming out from his crotch and he's like walking all funny to make sure the fucking bag doesn't come out. You know. Um but um that's Todd, you know, and Dave, I mean, you gotta I come really back. Oh yeah we went, I mean, I wanted pills, like the only reason I did meth was to was to be able to get back to heroin you know um right and uh and there's one thing about um you know about you and Todd, you know you got off of heroin and uh and drugs, but you never wanted total recovery you know and uh and Todd fucking hated recovery. He fucking he just hated it. He just he couldn't. I mean, you have a life, you have children and a career and a company, and Todd never did. You know, he never he never found a, a reason to live. You know, mm-hmm. and well, that,
5: that was yeah. My first son really kind of turned a switch in my brain, <clears throat> and I don't know if Todd would have had kids if that was turned. It doesn't just because you have kids doesn't mean you're gonna stop doing drugs obviously
1: right exactly
5: but he didn't yeah he didn't ever seem to get that other reason to live
1: yeah yeah exactly something Uh, to to strive for which is a a terrible shame now this episode went way longer than I had intended and it might be the longest dopey episode ever oh shit Um, but I'm gonna read this thing that uh, a friend of mine and a really close friend of Todd's wrote um, okay you want to hear yeah, go ahead. it's this woman named Carrie uh, she's very close with Linda she was very close with Todd and she writes Todd was one of the best friends I've ever had and one of my favorite people on this earth my heart aches as I write these words in honor of what would have been his 45th birthday I will always miss him and I will always be sad that he is no longer alive Since his death, I think my mind has found nearly every memory that I shared with him. Lots of smiles, lots of laughter, and lots of good talks. These memories are precious to me, spanning from my late teens to my 30s. To me, Todd was warm, genuine, open, intuitive, supportive, non-judgmental, and, of course, hilarious. For some reason, I always felt it was an honor to know Todd the way I did. To this day, I am sincerely flattered that he wanted to be my friend. The way we laughed and the two seconds of eye contact that could replace conversation were gifts in this life. Every day I pray for him to be peaceful and satisfied, and I ask that he looks after us down here. So that's very beautiful, right? That's
5: very beautiful, yeah.
1: Chokes you up, huh?
5: Yeah, you know, I don't know how well I've dealt with Todd's passing.
1: What do you mean?
5: Um... And after I heard the the what was it the American story what was this
1: the, American life,
5: this American life. That got me pretty hard. And yeah, I think after when he passed it, I didn't see Todd a lot at the end. You know, I think the last time I talked to him he was he was high. I think I texted him right after uh, after my ex left, like around 2014 and 2015, I think it was 2015 so I, I didn't really connect with him a lot at the end and I think that when he when I did hear that he passed it didn't really hit me until that
1: this American that, Life piece right yeah and that that really got me
3: right I, that
5: I felt the, the hurt a little bit more with that yeah miss Todd yeah I
1: mean I'll yeah I miss him too you want to hear another fucked up email I got sure This is like Totally related To This American Life This is actually From uh, an ex-girlfriend Of his You ready Sure She says uh, Hi Dave Really good to hear Back from you Thank you I appreciate the reply Uh, I have to admit Hold on No I'm going to read The first one Hold on Um, Hi Dave My dear friend And I just connected Todd His death You and your podcast uh, she can speak from a place of recovery and connect with you from that powerful space i am reaching out because i have no doubt todd reached out to me there is no other explanation for the odd series of events that led to this email todd and i were in a relationship a long time ago uh i loved him we shared lots of ups and downs uh i met you with him in new york we met in your apartment and shortly after went with you to meet a dealer I did not know until later that Todd was addicted to anything other than pot Or that he had bought heroin back to the hotel with him We broke up shortly after that trip I have my own dark predispositions and I just couldn't He was the only person This is a really perfect description of Todd She said he was the only person I've ever met That felt like sunshine that got trapped in a human body his smile crazy deep blue eyes raspy voice and energy seemed unstoppable and yet here we are i am so very sad fuck that shit he was better than this you know uh yeah. and yet here we are you're always one of his best friends and in this mothball transitory world that is the only thing that means anything i felt that from him before meeting you and i feel it now um, and then she says some nice stuff about Dopey And then she says In the second one That fucking she She's driving down the road Listening to This American Life um, It's just I don't want to read this whole thing It's long But she says she was driving down the road Listening to This American Life And Todd talks about ODing and, Or I talk about Todd ODing And then she hears Todd's voice say That's me an unmistakable Rasta raspy voice that she hadn't heard in 16 or 17 years. And then she hit a deer. It's a crazy story. Holy shit. Crazy story, right? Wow. Anyway, yeah. and then there's one more I want you. To, I want to read really quickly. Okay. This is from her friend, uh, Morgan. Let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Oh, here we go. She writes, Hi, Dave. Uh it says I knew Todd Hi Dave I'm sober 12 years I used to smoke weed and do coke back in 2002 uh in 2003 and maybe early 2004. I worked at E-Film and used with Todd a ton. He even helped me move after a suicide attempt. I just heard your podcast a few months ago the first time, listened to the clips about Todd, heard on This American Life your whole powerful story and didn't put it together. I would periodically check Todd's Facebook to see if there were pics of him drinking. I always hoped he'd get sober, but figured if he didn't, it would not end well. I'd cross my fingers, hoping I'd see indications that he'd cleaned up, but obviously he hadn't. Then today, I checked again and learned he died. I'm sad. He saw me in a really, really shitty time. He wrote me on Facebook a few times back in 2010. He was so unapologetically himself in his messages to me. I know exactly what you mean when you talk about him being so disarming, even when he was so Saying shit, no one else would get away with. I really wish the world could have enjoyed a sober Todd. If he was that dynamic, loaded out of his mind, I can only imagine what he would have been like sober and working a program. I love your show. I appreciate your journey, and it's fucking sad when we lose people. I felt like Todd was trying to talk to me today because right as I was listening to Remembering Todd episode and reading my last messages from him, and the line in which he talked about Dog the Bounty Hunter, you guys talked about Dog the bounty hunter I also reconnected with my old best friend and Todd's ex Lisa who just wrote the other one anyway I just wanted to reach out say hi Uh, I'm so grateful to be sober and thank you for the show thanks for talking about how being alive is pretty great I feel the same I have three kids who have never seen me loaded and a husband I love and the entire foundation of my life which I don't deserve is my sobriety needless to say today I got knocked sideways learning about Todd but I get to remember the people who saw me at my worst who helped me along the way and just how lucky I am so there you go what do
5: you think? I, it's that's very sweet i think uh what
1: well, what you're witnessing is the power of dopey that's the yeah, pa- it, that's the power of dopey right there dave oh, it's incredible i mean
5: I, it's incredible how far sweeping you are now
1: oh yeah especially i mean and,
5: and that american life piece was really powerful i mean i definitely you know i was not clear eyed at when that was over and hearing Todd's voice you know it's very
1: ghostly when when that yeah i when know you do hear him. he's like yo it's it's fucking incredibly uh it's incredibly um just emotional and uh <clears throat> and they they produced it in a really a really like emotionally triggering way but this oh, show this 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 show went way too long it's just too long oh, now okay. now i want to say that um it's a joy to have you on the show Um,
5: I'm happy to be here I'm I'm still a little nervous Why are you nervous? I don't know Because I feel like Like I Like I know there's nobody there right now And it's just me and you talking Right But I feel like The presence of The audience is there
1: Why don't I ever feel that?
5: You don't care about anything Or It's not that you don't care about You don't care about Audiences Or People
1: you think I don't ca- You think I don't care about people? <laughs>
5: no, no, no. I don't I don't, I don't I don't I think that you have a natural presence in front of an audience and you know your audience and you're comfortable speaking to an audience. I've never been comfortable speaking to an audience.
1: Well, I think you've done great. And and I want to tell one last story, and I, and we're gonna leave it. I want to leave it with this with this story, which is not a particularly good story, but um, this was my plan for the end of the episode because I want to play this a song at the end of the episode.
5: We're not doing MSG.
1: No, not now. Okay. Uh, um, we're gonna do that next. I mean, like, I want to have you on again, and we'll just do that story. Okay. You know. Um. I, well, yeah. That's, that's a fun story. Yeah, but that's not a Todd story, and this is the Todd no. episode. That's right. Todd's birthday um, This is the second Todd episode really But who cares you know Todd's gone And, and I love him and I, I think that uh, I don't think yeah, dope, well, there, yeah. There's no way Dopey would exist Without Todd um, So doing this uh, An episode that's this long about him Is fitting I mean honestly The the, the, the Fucking architecture Of Dopey the, the belief Of Dopey could not have existed without Todd so um you know we are we're, cool. we're always indebted to him. You know what I mean? It's like, he, you know, he. Oh, I totally do. I, <laughs> yeah, he would laugh nice. at so much at the worst things he did. You know, and uh, and there's so many more stories we could tell. Like when we went to Amsterdam. Oh and, my god. And uh, and me and Todd went to go cop coke, and we wound up copping crystal, and I wound up staying up the whole week. And Todd, <laughs> remember Todd to, to smuggle the shit back. You know, like, he's like fucking. He opened up the jelly and then he's cooking the jelly down to smooth the surface so he can put hash in it. Yes. And then he sent coffee. <laughs> what?
5: We walked into that place and we were sleeping in, like, a, a closet. And then Hillary and. Was it Hillary and Amy? or Probably. They came home and they're like, oh, there's a whole. Did you guys open up this door
1: and we open the door and there's this whole gigantic apartment that we missed. I know. That's my favorite part of the story. It's like such <laughs> yeah, a bit. You know, no, that's just such a bit from a movie. It's so ridiculous. We were so high. Yeah. So um so so the story I wanna tell before before we end the show is um me and Todd were in Los Angeles, right? And um and we were working on this dumb movie. Uh, and and I don't think you we were getting paid. Like I think Todd was like it was like Todd's ex girlfriend and that girl those those women who wrote those letters and we weren't getting paid. And um and Todd had had started really smoking a lot of crystal meth and I had sm- started smoking a lot of crystal meth too. And uh, and after the the day was over, we got into his jeep and we sat in the front seat and uh, and we started smoking crystal meth and uh and he put on the grateful dead uh and we bid you good night um and i don't think i had ever heard it before and uh and i just sat there in the front seat and i i made him play it over and over again and i sat there smoking the crystal meth listening to the most soulful sweet song ever and it was just this sad, weird metaphor for for everything with us, you know, like mm-hmm. like it was just. And I, so I want to I want to end the show. I want to play. I'm going to play that song at the end. Um, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, and we'll do it again with the with the Nick story because uh, it'll be fun. And uh, and stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris and toodles for Todd right yeah toodles although Todd was not into saying toodles that would not be something I can't
5: imagine him saying
1: that me neither and you know that was Chris's thing and you know um (laughs) it's weird to have an episode where like there's all this grief and no grief over Chris's death but the two happened so close together for me that it's a miracle that I got through any of it so um
5: I think Todd would say something like yo see you later kid
1: He would be be like uh, Later You know Late You know That's what he would always say Um, Later He'd be like later Um, Fucking Todd Alright so stay strong Dopey Nation And fucking toodles for Chris And later for Todd
3: Lay down My dear brothers Lay down And take your rest I want you to your here upon your Savior's breast. I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you, you the best. The best. And, and I bid you good night. good night, good night, good night. And I bid you good, good night, good night. Good night. Good night, and I bid Did you good, good night. Good night, good night. Walking in Jerusalem, just and like John. Good, good night, night, good night. Good, I good night. night. Good night. good night, good night There me all the of that wonderful bowl. Good night, good, good night Well, if he'd fall, if he step the end of Good night, good night Good to eat night. on the children Would not be good Good, 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 good night. night, good night on me, good night. night, good night, good night. I bid bid you you good night Night. Good night. night Bid you good night, good night, good night, and I bid you good night, good night, good night.
6: Have to walk around my neighborhood, but I wanna be good so bad. I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. What does aeroplanes just pass me by? And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive, just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good, so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller. smaller and smaller. And it's high noon where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I want to... so bad, so bad. I want to be good, so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had.